Bungie bought by Sony. Suicide Squad wait to kill the Justice League. Well, hello there, and welcome to Triangle Square, the PlayStation podcast. I'm your host, Brett Beck, and this week we are complete. We are host complete, and I'm joined by the man. Where does the man, the myth, the legend thing start from? Either way. No, that is Saw Bridges, bringing all lucky episode (laughs) 247. We're back here, like Brett said again. Alongside me, as usual, is Mr. Chris Figgs. Hi. There we go. And uh, we are Triangle Squared. Uh, PlayStation Podcast. You can find out where to find us a little bit later on in the episode. Until then, we'll start the episode out like we always do. And that's, we like to go through what we've been playing this week. Chris, what hit you first? What have you been playing this week? Uh, only Sekiro. <laughs> only, only Sekiro. <laughs> like religiously. Yeah. It's like, it's like I said to Brett, I can't stop playing it because if I stop playing it, I won't be good at it anymore. <laughs> You'll lose the juju. I mean, it's true yeah. though. There's something well, I, about those games where the entire time I was playing Mortal Shell, the entire time I was going through Bloodborne Platinum, I was like, do not play anything else. Yeah. You've got to be in the zone at all times. Yeah, I I even noticed it where like <laughs> I was fighting the last boss. I've been fighting the last boss for like three days, so pray for me. But um, I got him to his second... I guess it depends on how you consider the last boss, but I beat... The first section of the last boss. Saul knows what I mean. I beat the first section of the last boss and then got a health bar and a half through the second one. Oof. And then I was like pissed. Went to bed. Woke up. Couldn't even beat the first stage for like another half an hour. So like in that little bit of time I stayed away, I lost my skill. Yeah. So Could I you imagine can't. spending a whole day away from it? while playing something else no Ooh. it sucks because i really <laughs> want to play dying light and i'm like i'm not playing it until i beat sekiro <laughs> am i crazy is that a games pass game what what dying light dying no. light two or the first two, two no i didn't think so i swear <laughs> i saw somebody say they picked it up on games pass and it had me questioning my like reality for a second i was like what if it is, I've missed that entirely, but I'm pretty sure Chris. I'm pretty sure that. it's not. It's yeah. not. <clears throat> yeah, that it's seems not a Game Pass game. I mean, that would have been a good get for Game Pass, if I'm being honest. If they had gotten it, that would have been a big big deal. But, you know, I, not that I've heard. So, yeah. I've kind I, of, so, Chris has been only on Sekiro. Brett, have you been on anything? Uh, 12 minutes. Oh, I, I did do that. Yeah, you did do 12 minutes. We all played 12 minutes this week. This is pretty crazy. Um, that is, I caps? forgot that you did that. No, I'll I'll resume my playthrough. Have you beat it yet? No, I'm resuming my playthrough tomorrow night. I beat it. Something happened. I had to beat it again. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But I got the platinum. Uh, I didn't realize that it was platinum 119, which is... I I don't know how I didn't realize I was a 118, but I guess I haven't gotten a platinum in so long that my brain was completely removed from it. (laughs) So when I got the platinum and checked, I was like, 119? Why do I feel like I gained 10 platinums in some random interval that I was unaware of? Um, So now I feel this weird pressure of like, wait, what's 120 going to be? And Chris and I were like ballparking. like, Well, right now, logistically speaking for what's coming out, it seems like it'll either be Destiny 2 if I can manage to get the Grandmaster in. Or it'll be Horizon Forbidden West. I was going to say, it could be Horizon. Yeah, those seem like the most likely plats. Elden Ring. Oh, 
<laughs> the, the only FromSoft game that I have a platinum on is Bloodborne, and the only Souls-like game outside of that that I have a platinum on is Mortal Shell. So I don't think that's going to be happening, but... Do it, mm. coward. I'm sure it's not as bad as the world tendency of Demon Souls or the no, ring multiple not. runs of uh, of Dark Any Souls of them. 3. No, so. it's all of them. All of them have those ring runs. That is true. Including Demon Souls, actually. <laughs> but then you have to worry about the world tendency to get the rings. Yeah. That's the hard part for that one. Uh, anyway, uh, 12 minutes. Uh, quite enjoyed that. Um, I recommend it. I'm not, I mean, there's other time uh, loop games that are probably way more open. I could see that some people would get a little annoyed with the fact that you're always in the same area in this game. But I kind of think. If anything, it's amazing to see how much opportunity and how much interaction there is between all of the different things in the apartment. And what really got me, Chris, is whenever I had to go back through and do a trophy cleanup, I actually got a couple of new things I hadn't done from accidentally doing things in different order that I I thought I was doing in in the order that I previously did and then realizing that it acts completely different as a result. The the small level of detail in that game is very is very impressive. Whether it or is. not it annoys some people or not, because of the fact that it's you, you know I get the and I don't know if you had it because I know you to a degree followed a god to a degree. Uh, I don't know to what degree, but once I, I got see, the uh, perfect ending, I used a god. Gotcha. Um, and I know Saul kind of knows what I'm talking about here too. There is that feeling of when you know you're supposed to do something, but you make a mistake and then you're kind of like, Oh, Nope. However, no, I just learned to start walking out of the door. Like, Oh, I messed up. Walk out of the door, restart the loop. Yeah. Yeah. But there's still that feeling of like how, depending on how late into the loop you screw up, you feel like I just wasted five minutes because I, or I wasted seven minutes and now I got to walk out of the door because I just completely screwed up what I needed to do. So that's quite fun though. Uh, Destiny 2. As always. Quite a bit of. Well, well, as usual. Trying (laughs) so hard. I'm I'm 1339, about to be 1340 because my Wayfinder's Compass is about to hit plus one again. What's GM Nightfall's 1350? 1345. Yeah, you're only six levels away though. I'm close. You should be able to do it, right? I'm close, yes. I should be able, well, no, right now you can't, it's thirteen seventy. Oh, never you mind. Can't, you can't match me <laughs> without mind. being thirteen forty five. If if I'm not mistaken, I don't think you can open never, it. Never mind. That's ridiculous, <clears throat> man. Yeah, but That's, we're gonna we're gonna do it at thirteen forty five. Yes. Yeah, so. but still. And it's looking like, depending on exactly when we try to do it, Lake of Shadows, I think, is going to be the final week rotation before I'm gonna say that's Witch a, Queen that's comes out. That's a very out. quick strike. That's a very hard nightfall. I'm sure, but I think I'd rather do that than... The Corrupted? <laughs> the Corrupted. I don't think Proving Grounds is that bad, but I'll also say I'd rather do Lake of Shadows than Proving Grounds. Proving Grounds is fairly <laughs> easy. Proving Grounds, if I'm not mistaken, is a servitor, right? Where you do Prison Elders? Uh, no, 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 no. That one's uh, Warden. That's right. What is Proving Grounds? Proving Grounds is, I don't know if you've done it, because I don't know how much of Season of the Chosen you did, uh, but I think you did some of it. That's the one with Keitel, and you are on... Yeah. Uh, okay. it, it, it's the it's the moving one. You're on a tank yeah. and you have to run across the treads. Yep. I don't think sound, that one's that bad. That does sound very familiar. I think I've done that one once. <clears throat> yeah. It's uh you know, same as all all strikes. It's just a switch up of a story mission. So um <clears throat> I don't think I've played anything. I mean I I've played RuneScape. I've been questing it up, boys. Have you? I've been questing Quest, it man. up. For anybody who does RuneScape stuff, I've done in a week <laughs> I've done 
Uh, well, I finished Legends Quest like a week and a half or two weeks ago. Uh, since then, I've done Ghost Ahoy. I've done X Marks the Spot and Beneath Ice Mountain, two free-to-play quests that are newer that I'd never played. I did, ooh, Haunted Mine. I've done a bunch of crap. I've done Forgettable Tale of a Drunken, of a drunken Dwarf. Right now, I'm starting on in aid of the or in search of the Myrie. I'm doing a bunch of stuff. It's it's good times. I'm having a. a it's been really weird because I just want to play a bunch of RuneScape, but I still want to play other games. And that's uh, <laughs> the MMO problem across the board is that you want to play that game, and you want to play other games, and yet the MMO tries to pull you. So it is what it is. But uh, Saul, you good sir, what have you been playing? I. I actually started 12 minutes the week before last, but since I was gone out of town last weekend. Um, yeah, me and you started it on the same day. Yeah, as without we, as any we communication about yeah. it. It was really like choice or random. Um, but I played through a couple of hours of that, and I plan on re- like replaying that more tomorrow, the day this goes live. Um, I have been playing Destiny. That's kind of been the usual uh, I kind of really haven't played much of anything this week until yesterday when I did play Destiny. But I have, I did start Legends of Acreus. Acreus, that's a shotgun of Destiny. Legends of Arceus on uh, Switch, and I've played that for maybe, I don't know, maybe five hours. It's it's a lot better than I anticipated. It it is it is kind of exactly what I've always pictured a open world Pokemon game to look like and play like it's really it's just cool it's cool to see like the battle system and like you standing off to the side and seeing your opponent stand down that way and then seeing the two Pokemon literally do moves with brand new animations for stuff it's cool there's there's things I like about it having having not played it just looking at like other people playing it and uh, and looking at online stuff there's things I like like the element of you being around in the battle and if you walk between Pokemon you can get hit with the moves and stuff I like that that's a nice level of detail um, I do like that. I like that you throw the Pokemon out and, and the battles aren't separate instances anymore. Yeah. They just happen right there. And it's the same for like throwing your Pokeball at trees and getting materials and stuff. I, I like just running and I like see a tree with berries. I'm like, I throw it. I just keep on going where I'm going. And the Pokemon does it all and then shoots back to me. Yeah. It's pretty cool. And that that's cool. I like that. I like the the sense of scale that I feel like Pokemon was always missing yeah. because now you can see all the Pokemon and like you can actually see how much bigger Infernape is than Chimchar a, and a, stuff like that. You know what I mean? A champion or alpha Rapidash or something. And I was like, look at this big old boy. And I was like, I'm going to catch him, throw a Pokeball at him. That Pokeball bounced off his back and he just turned and looked at me red eyes. And I'm like, oh dear. <laughs> I just started running. That's cool. I like that there's like, there seems to be a better carrot on the stick for wanting to complete the Pokedex because the way that it wraps into the story. It's like learning the, about Pokemon. and It's like the best weird combination of let's go and a normal I, Pokemon game. I do agree with... It's what I think Let's Go probably should have been. Yeah. Because I did. I never liked the idea that it was so focused around catching without any of the other stuff. But I like that this is like, well, complete the Pokédex, and there's something to be learned there. Uh, I also like that there's like this sense of Monster Hunterness to it, where like you can see, or at least it seems like it, and you can probably confirm from what you've seen. It looks like Pokémon can kind of mess with other Pokémon to a degree, and you can kind of see... I haven't seen that, but they do mm-hmm. have different sizes. So like you can mm-hmm. catch a smaller EV and a larger EV, and you do have weird Pokedex Which is also completions. true of the normal games. You'd find that, oh, my EV, this EV is bigger than the last true, one. True, but you never saw it visually represented that well. Yes, exactly. Um, and this never. is like very clear. Um, but yeah, then you have like Pokedex completion stuff you could do, like battle them a certain amount of times, catch them from behind a certain amount of times. 
uh, stuff like that. Different it's, move types is cool, where you have like the uh, oh for yeah, lack like agility, of the, agility and power. Uh, yeah, agility and power. I, I was like going to call it quick, uh, you know, basically quick attack and strong attack. But yeah, um, that's interesting. I like that idea. This is this is the perfect test game <laughs> for what I am excited to see them do next. Because you take this Pokemon game, and you have uh, it's like a um, you know feudal Japan style samurai game, and then you put this exact same formula into a modernistic city like Black and White Two. It'd be, it's going to be sick. It's going to be great. Yeah, I'd be interested to see them kind of go back towards black and white because I feel like the games themselves haven't had worlds that felt as big and like huge city based since black and white. Sun and Moon got like real, like we're going to be Islanders, so it's going to be smaller. And then the um, Sword and Shield kind of had X that with some was areas, smaller, but some of the areas were more open. And X and Y, X and Y had, was, was kind of like, yeah, it was France, but it was like small little pieces of France. Mm hmm. So I, I really enjoyed uh, I really enjoy all of the Pokemon landscapes except Sun and Moon. That's kind of my least favorite. Yeah, I th- I, what I noticed about it is that the Pokemon games, <clears throat> weirdly enough, I think Black and White and Black and White Two were some of the best games to, that actually worked on showing a sense of scale while still being pixel art. Yeah, and something about the way they chose to use the camera in those games for it being that kind of midway pixel art actually ended up making it feel bigger than like Sword and Shield because Sword and Shield has big areas. Like there's that area like that has the castle and then I think it's called Rose Tower, the one that you have to battle on going up to Eternus uh, or whatever his name Maybe is. Maybe so, yeah. Uh, anyway, none of them ever felt big enough because unlike in the wild area where the, the camera is completely controllable, once you get out, the way that they ended up controlling the camera, the camera was never set low enough or swooped or did anything that conveyed scale. So things just didn't feel as big as you could clearly tell right. they were meant to. Which but black and Ar- white has that Arceus. thing when you're going around the, the bridge it's like zoomed and out. the camera pulls out and you see this massive city and it's like you're you're you go from feeling like it's 2D to like you're 3D going around. It's like, wow, this feels massive. Yeah. And Legends of uh, Arceus does that really well too, of like running around using the camera everywhere, and like you can sure. zoom in and zoom out like you could a third person action game. And there aren't cities, but you get to feel like the the vastness of the landscape. Yeah, you can tell this game's a little more empty because they're experimenting with this, and this is like I said, a test run. I could fully see that this is uh, we got. Let's go uh, Pikachu and Eevee, which mm-hmm. is red and blue remakes. Remakes. I think we're going to see a, a Legends of Lugia and Ho-Oh game, and it's going to be a it's going to be a remake of so- Silver and Gold in this way. I think this is the new way the Pokemon's going to go. That's what I was about to ask you: is Do you think Legends is an offshoot? No, I think this is the new Pokemon games. I think this is how this works. Well, considering and, that it's sold faster than Sword and Shield, which sold faster than yes, everything else, and I think I think it's going to be. Uh, I think it's going to be. They're going to test it out with this game, and they, they chose a time period in which there's not a lot going on. The, a lot of the areas are, are they have a lot of Pokemon in them, but they're they're empty in terms of like buildings because mm-hmm. it's like feudal Japan style game. Um, but I have a feeling that the next game they're going to do this with, they're going to experiment with a remake and they're going to get their grasp on it even closer. And then the next game is going to be a full on like so. The next game for each game is going to be my and my theory of this is let's go or not let's go, but Legends of Ho Oh and Lugia. I'd, I'd be surprised because it really looks like with Diamond and uh, Diamond and Pearl that they were they've become content with the idea of working on the newer Pokemon games and just letting other developers handle remakes. That could be which has too. led to some things because like I'll tell you, I'm really disappointed that Diamond and Pearl uh, the remakes don't have the platinum content in it. That's unfortunate because every other remake always had the third It has some of it in there, it. but it's not the same. <clears throat> but yeah. I, I realized playing Diamond and Pearl that I, I had a rose-tinted glasses for those. For that I remember, yeah, I remember those games being a lot better than they were. And I'm not saying that they're, they're bad at all. No, I don't think any Pokemon game is bad. But um, 
I definitely think I'm remembering my platinum runs more than Diamond and Pearl, and seeing that this is kind of just a like a a slower paced Pokemon game like it was back then. I just remember like, yeah, maybe you know, maybe I did like platinum more so. Yeah. So I mean, it's it's like silver. If I'm being honest, silver and gold crystal is way better than silver and gold. If I'm being honest, like it's yeah, head and shoulders above. I remember that a lot. Yeah, and emeralds a lot better than. Ruby and Sapphire, yeah. if I'm being honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, I kind of do miss the third game thing because I always feel like it, it may, it sucks, but if you would, it, whenever I was young and <clears> poor, <throat> if you would wait for the third game, you got all the same content with all the new stuff too. And it's like, oh yeah. And then I I normally try and borrow like gold or something from somebody so I can play it for a little while. Yeah. Or, you know, I think Crystal and Emerald <clears> are my two favorite third games. Well, I, I say that all three of them, Crystal, Emerald, and Platinum are just some of the best Pokemon games are. But anyways, off Pokemon. Yeah, that's pretty much all I've played uh, this week. So a little bit of variety. I I see it kind of staying probably the same for next week, but we'll see. So, uh, Chris, did you end up picking up Pokemon? Yeah, I've played a lot of it. I thought you did. Yeah. Yeah. But you just, you you took a break this week? Yeah, I just want to finish Sekiro because I really want to play Dying Light. (laughs) (laughs) That day may or may not come, but we'll see. Oh, it'll come. Uh, also, it. I just realized that I did not put the community's takeout. That's on me. Sorry, guys. Did I don't you? know. I checked. It's Activision Blizzard. Did I? Yeah, that was I last looked. week's. What did I? I don't know. I don't feel like I did it. I'll take that on the chin. That's all me. I feel like Activision Blizzard would have been last week's. Yeah, no, that was uh, yeah, that was the week before. I say it'd be weird for us to talk about Activision, then have a an episode completely a- after the fact, and then have that as the community's take. Yep, all on we've me. done it. We've done stuff like that before, but um... oh well. Sorry, guys. Uh, I'm, I'm being a bad podcast host. I don't know what to tell you. I It'll mean, be fine. We're getting our bearings straight again. This I've week. got excuses, to, but are they really going to change the fact that I didn't do it? No, they're so not excuses. They're reasons. Actually, I do like that. I hate when people say that's just, just an excuse. I'm no, like, no, there are reasons that reason. things don't happen. Yeah. Oh, well, it doesn't matter. Excuses are the age. foundation that built the house of failure. Yeah, okay. What about reasons? Are reasons what, the foundation that built the garage? What built the house failure? of doubt? <laughs> a, a day to remember. Yeah, Women. Okay. <laughs> what? Okay. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> All right, Colin Moriarty, calm down. <laughs> wow. Whoa. Whoa! Okay. <laughs> Pump anyway. the brakes. Uh, okay. Well, I guess uh, moving on from that, we're going to go ahead and jump into the news of which there is plenty <laughs> this week, and a lot of PlayStation-focused news. Sauce apparently thinks something's very funny. I'm just laughing at that whole situation. It's funny. <laughs> uh, I'm sure Colin thinks it's funny, considering he's just oh, rolling way in more now. successful. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Uh, first thing up for the news, uh, as we wait for Activision's acquisition to go through, Infinity Ward have taken to Twitter to promise, quote, a new generation of Call of Duty is coming soon, end quote. Uh, they could, of course, be talking about a reveal coming sooner rather than later for their rumored and honestly, at this point, expected Modern Warfare 2 following up on 2019's Modern Warfare. We will see. I uh, also wonder, like, you know, is every release of Call of Duty a new generation of Call of Duty? Or are they really pushing like they did with Modern Warfare where this is going to be a new engine again? I would love to see Call of Duty have a new engine every three years or, you know, a, a big engine refresh, if nothing else. Um, but the weird thing is Modern Warfare came out. And then if I remember right, Black Ops Cold War did not even use Infinite Warfare's engine. And I'm not even sure if Vanguard used Infinite Warfare's engine. Uh, Vanguard does. Okay, so 
Maybe not because that engine hasn't been used that much. So maybe it makes more sense to just wait and see what happens. But uh, are they trying to tease? I, I really doubt it. I'm probably reading too much into it because I don't, I don't see this happening yet, but it would be wild if the new Call of Duty is next-gen exclusive. There's no way they would because of how it would impact sales. But a new generation of Call of Duty. I mean, you know. Mm-mm-mm. We'll see what ends up coming from it. Next thing up on the news, another day, another delay, as it appears that Rocksteady's long-awaited Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League is being delayed to 2023, according to Bloomberg and Jason Schreier. Uh, after a recent tweet thread from the CEO at Warner Media talked about the coming year and big things happening and only mentioning Harry Potter and Gotham Knights, it isn't surprising to hear this delay, as those were the two big games he looked at. Um to me, this seems like another case of showing things way too early. And if you think we first heard about the game and they kind of teased about it in August 2020 with the reveal picture for DC Fandom, and then we saw the first look at it with that CG trailer in December 21. Um, so this is unfortunate, but also not entirely surprising. I just have to ask, why did we need to see it as soon as we did? So, but we already know how Chris feels about the flash here. So we're going to move along. (laughs) Yes, we do. (laughs) Uh, Next thing up, Sony have launched a website for PSVR 2, allowing fans to look at the controllers and feature sets talked about so far for the headset, but also offering the ability to sign up for notifications once the device opens up for pre-order. This could mean that a PSVR 2 full reveal is not far off in the horizon, but don't get tropes up too high. It's just interesting. I don't know why you'd worry about pushing this stuff out without having something up and coming. And also, they recently talked about PSVR or wanting to expand the VR. Um, Let's see. Next thing up, and this one's pretty interesting. PlayStation have announced... Uh, PlayStation's announced partnership with Discord is finally starting to bear fruit as this week it was announced that players can link their Discord and PlayStation Network accounts. Currently, this is simply used for things that we've seen Xbox and PC games utilize where it can show your current game activity on those systems on your Discord. Uh, But hopefully this partnership eventually leads to deeper integration. I think Saul and I have talked about this a lot and games like Destiny and Apex and cross, pretty much all cross-play games stand to gain a lot by being able to use Discord's voice chat to connect parties across systems without you having to seek that out on another device. Like right now when we play Destiny with Joe and everybody yeah, and, I, and Eric, I've got to use my phone and a, yep. heads, and, a, and a headphone and I don't really like that because then I can't really hear the game. Exactly. I would love to be able to be on PlayStation, pop into the same Discord chat that we're mm-hmm. on through my headphones and be able to you know adjust the party versus game chat dial and then sony can also say at that point well anything that happens on this service is outside of us because it's discord's you know agreement so for anybody who's worried about well what if somebody says or does something that's against playstation's terms and services well it's discord true it's their thing so i would love to see that uh Saul, do you have any hopes yeah past that i'm super excited i've i've kind of gotten used to the fact that i I used to use my computer for Discord, and I still do because I have this issue. Like, no matter what, with earbuds, I can wear them for like two hours, and then they start to get annoying. Sure. Um, and like yesterday, we played Destiny, and I wore my earbuds. Well, I have wireless earbuds I was using on my phone, and they have some decent audio uh, quality for a mic. So I was using those, but then it kind of got to the point of like taking them out, kind of like massaging the inner ear, I guess, or just kind of like 
you know, relieving the kind of irritation. And then eventually I was just like, I'm sitting next to my computer. My computer like two feet to my left. And you could put overheads so on. I might as well just put overheads on. Yeah. I've actually started using, I plugged in my Astro mix amp that was with my old yeah. A40s and I plugged that in my computer using that as a mix amp and the audio quality <laughs> has shot through the roof on my computer. I think those have built in... Um, uh, amps built into them, right? That's the whole point of them. Yeah, well, like they actually they actually act as an actual amplifier. Yes, but they also I'm also using it through optical too. Oh, yeah, my, I my, those have optical. Yeah, outputs. yeah. My, my motherboard you has use optical. Them on PS4 Pro. Yeah, no, you could use them on PS4 Pro. That's, you could, you use, could them use them on Slim. Slim. Yeah, yeah. That's what it was. So yeah. um, I've, my my motherboard has optical in, and then <clears> I've been using that, and it's been actually it's absolutely crazy how the quality has jumped from a Between USB sound card to that. So. Yeah. Uh, you know, obviously it's not gonna make my, my mic sound any better, but it makes everything I'm hearing sound so much more crisp. You so. know, when we're playing computer on uh, a Discord and we're playing like Halo Infinite or Among Us or whatever it be, I really do like the PC functionality of Discord, where if there's a game that somebody in your chat is in, oh, you could do invites. You can do invites, and yeah. if you don't have to do invites. Your party can just literally click join the player's active party. Yeah. I would love to see that be handled in Discord for cross-play games to this point. And I don't know how feasible it is, but if it is, I would love Discord to be able to be the the hub of that. You hit uh, invite everyone, and then what it does is Discord delineates out, we're going to send this to Xbox, and then tie that person, and it'll join, and then we can tie that back into the same thing on our side. We can send it to Switch, we can send it to PC, we can send it to PlayStation, and all of those will tie back into this, and then everybody can join a party in the game across disparate systems. That would be amazing. Yeah. And really streamline cross-play gaming. It, I honestly think that for cross-play to excel, there has to be a platform in which you could do that on. Well, it's got to get easier. It does, yeah. Because, like, and there's things that go on in Destiny right now where it seems like PC users have more issues trying to chat within the voice of the game so like when we're, we're in a, when you're in a party in destiny you can just hear the other players if they're not already in another party but like joe has never been able to get it to work so every time we end up having to default back to discord and then we have situations like when chris and i were playing with joe and eric and everybody and sean doesn't have discord and so we kind of had this weird situation where i had to be this medium between the discord and Chris and Sean and I had to have one headphone in that had a microphone outside and I put my other headphones on and I could hear both parties and relay information and that was kind of a it was it wasn't that bad because we were just doing Riven but I could see that for a full raid being super annoying and I would have not agreed to do it for the full raid I mean it definitely Uh, hurts your ears because that's how I was doing the same thing where I had one of my headphones in my ear and then I had my overheads over it so I was still listening to the game I was like, this is mm-hmm. unnecessary. Yeah, it, it felt ridiculous. And I was so glad that we were just doing Riven. But <clears throat> ideally, this Discord partnership is really deeper than that. I would kind of, I would feel kind of weird if PlayStation made this big announcement. And then the end of it is literally that PlayStation is just acting in the same way that Xbox has been acting for the, uh, like at least half of the Xbox uh, One play, generation. You know what I mean? PlayStation invested in Discord. There's no chance that there's, this is it. Yeah. You know, Oh, yeah, I agree, but I'm just saying it'd be really interesting if this did end it. So I'm just more curious at this point, how long before we see that deeper integration? And then is it specific to PlayStation or would PlayStation invest in them but then continue to push out and be like, hey, it'd be really beneficial 
And there's something in the news later that I think might indicate that Sony would be more willing than anything to want to push this integration across as many platforms as they could. But uh, we'll talk about that when we get to it. Um, all right, next thing up, after seeing it at the PS5 reveal event, Grand Theft Auto V is coming to PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series Let's X go. on March 15th and brings with it a standalone version of Grand Theft Auto Online that will be available free to PS5 players specifically the first three months of launch. Uh, hot off the back of this, Rockstar also finally officially announced that development is ongoing for the next entry in the long-running uh, series. Though I have to say, if anybody really thought that some form of development wasn't going on with Grand Theft Auto 6 for at least since Red Dead, you were fooling yourself. They're just now wanting to make you aware of it. <laughs> That's really what's going on. Yeah. You know? I don't know to what degree they were making it. Who knows? I wonder if they started messing with Grand Theft Auto 6 before Dan Hauser left or after he left or... Um, Shire was saying it's uh, probably will be a 2023 announcement with a 2024 delay. Like they'll announce 2023 is the release date and then it'll be delayed to 2024. Nah, that'll be interesting. We'll see. I mean, it's... I think one of the big things that's happening here is Grand Theft Auto Online being completely pulled out of Grand Theft Auto 5 to where if you want to just play Grand Theft Auto Online, you can. Now, what's really interesting here is what do you think, and I haven't looked to see if PlayStation or they have clarified, but what is free for the first three months mean? Does that mean the first three months you can get it and it's free in perpetuity as long as you get it? Like, is it a three-month PS Plus title? Or can you you play it free of charge for the first three months, but no matter who you are, that three-month mark hits, and if you don't own Grand Theft Auto or Grand Theft Auto Online and that you've bought, then you can't play it anymore. I'm really curious to see. I think so as well, because they know that they stand to still make a ton of money off of Grand Theft Auto Online. I think this is smart. I honestly am one of those people that would love to see it. We had it back on PS3 for like the very end of the generation. They did it with a handful of games. Killzone 3's multiplayer got broken out as a standalone multiplayer on PS3 that was, I think, free to play. I can't remember exactly, but I love that idea. If you have a, a online that's really active or could be really active that's tied to a story that people don't want to buy anymore, why not break it out, monetize it, and then have it be a, a separate online thing so that people can continue to have a high chance of being able to play it? Um, you know, as somebody who plays a lot of online, Chris, I'm sure you're of the mindset that you want to have as big a player base on any game as you can get. Yeah, I am. Yeah. So, what's your thoughts on uh, Grand Theft Auto here? I know that you think it's a big move, Chris. What you think? Uh, I mean, I'm looking. I'll definitely play it. <laughs> I'm interested to see if them breaking out um, the multiplayer means that they take multiplayer trophies out of the enhanced edition. Oh, that would be kind of interesting. That would be nice. I would probably go platinum that game if they did that. So, are you excited specifically for the campaign, or are you excited <laughs> for the online as well? The online sucks. So I'm excited for the campaign. <laughs> <laughs> Like, it's really weird. Some people love that online, and they're like, "The online's better than the game." I'm like, oh, "No, okay." <laughs> I remember playing. Now this has been forever. I played Grand Theft Auto online on PS3, and it was terrible. I hated it. I was like, "This is the worst." I don't know why anybody would want to play this. If I'm being honest, but well, that was launch, man. Yeah, and hey, it's probably a ton different now. It I is. don't care. It, it is different, <laughs> and it's probably fine. But I never want to play it. I will yeah. play that campaign, which is, I love that campaign, and then move on to better games. All right, so I'll see that you uh, you apparently had something to say here. What you thinking about this? Yeah, I'm just excited. You, I'm, I'm kind of just curious to see what they do with it. 
more so like how good it looks. I'm always down to replay the campaign for GTA Five. I I was really curious if when they first announced it, were they showing gameplay of it being on PS5 in like a realistic state? Because I don't feel like it looks that different. Um, but at the same time, I think it's, I mean, Grand Theft Auto V is a good looking game. Even as a PS3 game, it was a good looking game. So clearly it still looks good on PS4 and it will clearly still look good on PS5. But to what degree are they really going to improve it? Well, the weird thing is the uh, everything I heard was that the footage in that trailer was PS3 footage. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I don't know that's if that's true, though. but that is the the scuttlebutt, as they say. Mm. Yeah, I'd, I'd be really interested to see what they could eke out of that open world. Like, do we get sixty frames per second? Surely, right? Yeah, oh, definitely. Do we have sixty frames per second on the remat? Excuse me, on the remaster on PS4? I didn't play it, so. Um, I, don't, I didn't remember. It, I don't think it's sixty frames. I might be wrong. It's been so long since I have played it. Mm. Well, we will see, but I doubt we. I mean, I don't know. It'd be curious to see if we get four K sixty. It's not. It doesn't seem that crazy for a game that was built on the back of a PS three. But I don't really know what they plan on doing with it. I doubt it'll be too much. I mean, the r- weird thing is, is I doubt the expectation of the player base is really that high because everybody's just going to be excited to be able to play Grand Theft Auto on a new system. You yeah. don't have to do that much more, right? It's just like, hey, yeah, I can play this. But well, at the same did. time, you can play Grand Theft Auto 4. You can play Grand Theft Auto's PS4 version on PS5. So yeah. maybe there is a bit, little bit more expectation. I don't know. They did add first person in the PS5 and Xbox One version. So maybe PS4, this time Xbox One? they'll add uh, like fourth person mode. Isn't there a thing of like, what was it? Was it a second person? Somebody like figured out like the logistics of how you'd make a second person game since there's a first and third person game. I've heard about that, but I have no idea what they I did. Can't, I can't remember either, but I, 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 it, I remember being interested in it. I just don't remember. Uh, maybe I didn't even read it all. Look into it, though, if that sounds interesting to you at all. Because I, if nothing else, I don't think they made a game, but I think someone described what a second person game would be like, uh, which is... I'm looking it's it weird. up. <laughs> it almost sounds like would it just be someone there? Like, would it be you narrating events that you don't even see? Because like the it whole thing be, of third person is that you control it. Well, I but feel like you're, it would ahead. be if you played Skyrim, but entirely as Lydia. <laughs> now, but to what degree? Like where, like you're, you're literally Skyrim play out, but you are just following the character and watching what they do. That, but then uh, you'd still, from a that, first person camera's perspective, or what would the camera perspective be? I, I think that's the biggest question for people: is what is a second person camera perspective? Well, a second person point of view is action that is shot from the perspective of a character that is not the protagonist, right? Sure. So a second mm-hmm. person gay, a second person Skyrim would be you playing as Lydia watching the Dragonborn do everything. Ugh. Unless, but you can oh, make like. Hold on, I get it. I get it. Hold on. She follows you around. Right. But this would be this would be a second camera. This would be a second person camera perspective. Yeah. You don't control Lydia. You control she follows you around. You control the Dragonborn, but you see through Lydia's eyes. But you eyes. only see you only see your actions through Lydia's eyes. So you don't control the camera. Yeah. And you have to try and make everything work by this other person's. Well, what okay, a, hold on. Aren't tactics games all second person at that point? 
Are they? Is is isometric? Well, not necessarily, because we're talking about isometric. So that's just a third person camera from a different angle, right? We've had this conversation before. Like, what makes a second person? Unless, yeah, but unless you assume that the that you, the player, is a character, then it would be second person. Right? Well, like you're not you, looking at it if through I'm the playing, events of someone else. Go ahead. But if I'm playing Fire Emblem, right? Sure. Let's say that puts me in the position of being the commander, right? So then the people on the I would be the that would be a second person point of view because my point of view is me watching the action on screen that I am directing as a commander. But if you're as a commander, then actually you're just directing action and you're playing as from a first person perspective. And the isometric camera right. is basically I'm looking from a down. first person's perspective, but I'm seeing the game from a second person perspective because I'm seeing it through my point of view. Well, but wouldn't you wouldn't you need to actually be seeing that through another character that's already there? Or are you implying a character with the commander? Is that what I'm you're implying trying to get that at? I am a character? Yeah, I don't know. Let's, let's not get too philosophically deep into into games here. <laughs> Free will <laughs> doesn't is, exist. This, <laughs> oh no! Uh, okay, next thing up. Uh, Gran Turismo 7 got a dedicated state of play and brought with it a look at returning features such as the license center, the cafe that's new, uh, that brings with it activities to complete for new, uh, for new cars, a history timeline for cars so car heads can learn more about their favorite manufacturer's routes, dynamic replays, a look at the world map, and ton more it's 30 minutes if you are a big Gran Turismo fan or just interested in looking at a new racer go check out the gameplay see if it's uh if it's kicking for you uh ahead of the game's March 4th release so uh, one thing that I thought was interesting here is that messaging around ray tracing wasn't really concise but they brought it up and if y'all remember there was a point about uh maybe maybe a year ago where somebody was talking about the ray tracing would only be reused or only be used for replays, photo mode and 3d stages. And I've seen nothing that really shows that differently, but I've seen people reporting that this is now going to have a ray tracing mode. I don't think that's the case. And I don't, I think that if that really was the case, they would have went about trying to show real time gameplay with it on there, but it still might come or it might be something they add at a later date. Um, at, some point we'll definitely see um but there's that the second game that got a big uh reveal event the day after is ghostwire tokyo we got to look at our protagonist akito and what appears to be the antagonist hanya along with a look at the enemies we can expect sections of the open world tokyo that players can traverse and a look at combat and how it can shift from using the power of your hands to manipulate the elements basically fancy naruto bending but also more stealthy approaches like a bow and arrow as players move their way through Tokyo, cleansing Tory gates to push back the fog that started this all. Uh, Ghostwire releases on March 24th, showing that there really is a packed start of the year for Sony's um, exclusive output, even if this one may be a timed exclusive. Um, Looks like both of you guys didn't have much to say on that. Um, Ghostwire not tickling your fancy at all, Chris? This game does not look good. (laughs) Well, gotcha. And uh, I know I know how you are with racing stuff, and we already talked about Gran Turismo, and I was surprised you were watching it. That's that's when I heard you here, and I was like, Chris is watching Gran Turismo 7? I mean, I care about it. Like, it's definitely a game, like, I could see myself downloading. But if I don't, you didn't have to pay for it. <laughs> correct. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, well I'll be buying it, so well, there, there you go. go. I guess you'll, you'll have that it. opportunity. Yeah. Uh, racing games, I don't know. I just... 
it's hard for me to get invested in a racer. And then one that I, I don't mean this in a pejorative sense, but I do mean it. Um, I, I, especially a game as pretentious as Gran Turismo seems oh, you like dude, far too wrapped much. In, wrapped in pretension. Okay. I mean, that's kind of what the series is known for. It I'm not like going to act like the, it's not. That that showcase I watched was the single most pretentious thing I've ever seen for a bunch of room rooms and beep beeps. Like, I don't... I, I but didn't some of that, right? Pretension's weird because I agree that it's pretentious and I still think everything they showed looked really amazing and does, I yeah, like a great. lot of what they're talking about. And I mean, even outside of visually, right? Like I like a lot of the stuff that they're talking about, like simulating cloud positions and how that impacts the dynamic weather system. It's but sick, that is all wrapped in pretension. <laughs> it is. Uh, <laughs> but how pretentious it is versus how much you care really depends on how much you're into what they're talking about in this particular sense. So for people who like racers but really don't care that much about all this very deep simulation stuff yeah. it kind of just feels like dude you're just you know the, the old south park you're sniffing your own farts but for the people <laughs> yeah. that do care like for the people who like get super into um team asobo's um flight simulator right like there are people that look at flight simulator like okay this is stupid and then there's people like bro can you believe look they simulated the clouds right here and i could fly down and there's people that care way more about that stuff and though i will say marketing marketing for flight simulator still felt far less pretentious than current marketing for gran turismo because it is kind of the gran turismo thing and i don't think it's a bad thing but it could be seen as one it's way easier to sell flight simulator when you're like Hey, you want to fly plane and look at your house? <laughs> That's true. Maybe Gran Turismo would do a lot better if it's like, hey, do you want to drive a car realistically to your house? <laughs> right, exactly. Did you did you it's, like the concept of the crew too, but not the game? Here you go. It's Gran Turismo. <laughs> Gran Turismo across America. <laughs> so do you think we'll ever get a uh, Gran Turismo Horizon? I don't. I no. I don't think... They'll sell it, you the it, name. It, 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 it depends. But I think Sony has enough respect for Gran Turismo and how big of a franchise it's been for them. And I think that they have enough respect currently still for the creator that, and, and knowing that that's not the creator's style, I don't think that they would go that far off. I think the most that you were ever going to see that kind of feel out, but still have the Gran Turismo name was Gran Turismo Sport. Okay. Fair. But it would be interesting. People have been saying that for years, right? Well, that, now that Sony's just going to do a Gran Turismo Horizon where it's Gran Turismo and all the name and stuff. But here's the real thing. Does Forza Horizon really feel like Forza at all? It doesn't. It's just a name. And I get it. But if you play Forza Motorsport and then you play Forza Horizon, there's no through line between them to me at all. They're very different games. And the tone is way different. Forza Motorsport's very serious. And then Forza Horizon is this stupid like, oh, look, we're friends and riding through Mexico. And, and honestly, hey, that tone, I, I hate. I cannot. Part of the reason I quit playing Forza Horizon Five is because I could not stand the way everyone talks to each other and acts. Uh. I'm like, I would just rather everyone shut up and let me race while not saying a word than hear another bit of this. But hey, that's, what's up, racer? <laughs> like, oh man, you jumped a car. Oh yeah, I jumped a car. 
Yes, I've played Need for Speed for years of my life, and no one was ever like, oh, we caught that on camera. You're so cool. I don't know, man. I just don't care. I didn't, like it. I, mean, I didn't like that in Skate either, but at least it made more sense in Skate because that's how skateboarders actually talk to each other. <laughs> if, if you have a, ca- a skateboarder who's carrying around a camera and looking at you, and they're like, dude, you just nailed that sick kickflip. That seems to make way more sense than like, you jumped a car. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Get out Even then, car. I don't I don't like either of them. So, marketing is a pain. Well, what do you think, Saul? We're going to think we're going to get Grand Trismo Horizon? Nope. It won't be called that anyway, to be fair, but. Of course it wouldn't. <laughs> you don't have to specify that. Grand Trismo Vertical. Motorstorm Horizon. That, I, you know, that might happen. Yeah, that's probably one of their live service games. We'll definitely see. All right, next thing up, Sony's financial uh, results for the third quarter have been announced, and this is mostly numbers, so for those of you who are interested, looks like 3.9 million PS5s were purchased by retailers and 200,000 PS4s. These numbers push PS5 to 17.3 million units shipped and PS4 up to 116.9 million units. I put K, but nope. That's wrong. Anyway, uh, sales were down around 8% year over year in part due to hardware production issues, but operating income grew by $12.1 billion in part thanks to PS5's disc-based version already becoming profitable for its hardware sales. Um, as a result of continued chip shortages, Sony have lowered their forecasted PS5 sales to $11.5 million compared to their original prediction of $14.8 million for the full fiscal year that ends in March. Uh, so all that to say is it's probably going to get harder to get a PlayStation 5. The only upside is is that more people have them, so maybe less people will be going for them, but I don't anticipate that to really happen. I think that this is going to be a, an issue for a long while still, sadly. Yeah, I think at least now, next year. Yeah, well, maybe if we get really lucky, like Q4 2022, things start looking at, but seems unlikely. Mm-hmm. We'll find out. Uh, now we get into the meat of all this, uh, where the week got real interesting. Sony announced the acquisition of Bungie for three point <laughs> six billion. Right off of the back of, uh, that's an interesting thing. We'll save that for a second. So let's continue. Uh, it's come to light that one point two billion of that deal is going toward retention incentives to keep talent from the studio or keep talent from at the studio from leaving. And a surprise. Sony and Bungie have clearly stated and communicated that Bungie will retain its autonomy, it will still self-publish their titles, and that their titles will continue to remain multi-platform. This clarification in the wake of the ambiguity surrounding Activision Blizzard's titles, and if any will remain multi-platform, is welcome, but surprising considering how much of it breaks from Sony's usual mold. Um, We can go ahead and read the next news piece as part of this. Or we can just kind of look at this in and of itself. Just have but a big conversation. I think that makes sense. I'll go ahead and read the rest then. So during their quarterly conference call, we also got clarification on why Bungie was sought after. And the importance was not only in the IP of Destiny and their new IP, but rather to incorporate the technologies and expertise that Bungie has developed that gives it a unique edge in the live service game space. Sony say that they intend to utilize this talent to develop games within PlayStation Studios as they seek to expand into the games as a service arena. As part of this collaboration between Bungie and PlayStation Studios, Sony intend to launch over 10 live service games by the fiscal year ending in March 2026. So that's 10 games in roughly four years. 
just yeah. to throw that out there. Sony release, uh, oh, sorry, hold on. Sony added that they view the deployment of uh, IP on multiple platforms as a major opportunity for growth, as recent PlayStation PC releases have shown with great success, and aim to acquire new users and increase engagement with their products on platforms other than just PlayStation consoles to expand the ecosystem of Sony's overall gaming business. So, looking at all this, yes, I think the first thing I want to talk about and I know me and you have had, kind of had this, right? Is this overarching, for people that don't want to dig any deeper than the surface level, this overarching feel that's happening throughout the gaming sphere bubble of all the people that just scream and scream into the void, that this Bungie purchase is a direct result of Activision Blizzard. No, And I just think that there's a lot of details. If you actually dig into the thing where Jim Ryan talks about this has been in the works for five to six months, building towards this, and this is in no way, shape, or form a direct response that happened because of Activision Blizzard. This now, is probably a direct response to Bethesda, if anything. These things take potentially, time. Potentially, yes. Yeah, they take yeah. time. This is not like a week do not pass and think, I'm going to acquire this whole company. Here's the cash. For someone it's, who thought that Sony went to... Like, that's why I think it's so crazy. For someone who thought Sony went to Bungie and made a deal and were able to announce that deal in two weeks, yeah, you're right. out of your mind. Yeah, absolutely. That's just not going to happen. The so. email process probably just for starting the deal took two weeks. <laughs> yeah, started. Yeah. yeah, probably. But that's the that's the kind of main thing I think is going on here is that I think it needs to be clear to everyone that this is not a response. The one thing that I think Chris argued and it and it is fair that you could look at it this way: um, the the Activision Blizzard deal might have pushed Sony into terms while they were still working that they originally weren't going to worry, like they were trying to try and fight through because they felt a need to move as they see consolidation starting to happen at a bigger rate. And that feeling of maybe we need to go ahead and agree to something that we may not have or, you know, agree to a price that we may not have just so we can get this while we can still get them. Um, That's a possibility, but that's one of those things that I don't think we'll ever know, you know? So, I have a potentially hot, but I think it's kind of a cool take. Uh, this okay. is a this is a response to Arcane and Castlevania. It's not a response to anything Microsoft did. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Yeah. To Arcane and yes. Castlevania, the TV. So shows. you're talking specifically about the Netflix series? That's what Correct, I thought. Correct. Yes. Okay. Oh, so that Sony can then have the rights to make a Bungie, a Destiny TV a Destiny show, a anime, TV show. a Destiny yeah. movie. Well, I don't think you're wrong at all for a number of reasons. One of the things that's come out after this is that Bungie recently hired Riot Studios animation yep. director. And I've been saying forever that, not forever, but since this happened, that I hope they don't do a live action movie with like Lance Reddick playing Zavala as, as yeah. it would be, that would just be cartoonish. I don't need to see a bunch of blue people. Like like humans painted that way, I would rather see it as an anime or whatever. So seeing that, I was like, hell yeah! <laughs> this is <laughs> this exactly is actually hilarious I mean. because it used to be a a, a um, insult, right? Of people saying, "Oh, Sony doesn't make games; they just make movies. They're not even real games." <laughs> well, now it's like Sony doesn't <laughs> Sony doesn't make games; they make movies. <laughs> they make TV shows. Yeah. So one of the things that people were saying, and one of the things that Bungie was saying, is that this there is this idea of pushing Destiny and their IPs past. Uh, games media only. They wanted it to be, you know, uh, multimedia 
uh, kind of situation. And I think that Chris, I, I don't think that your your take is that hot. I think if anybody really thinks of that, I think if you look at the fact that one of the first things that came out is that Bungie has intentions to push Destiny and their new IP potentially outside of um, the um, sorry uh, outside of just gaming. On top of the fact that Arcane was one of the highest viewed and highest rated shows of last year. And Sony's right. push for wanting PlayStation Productions to be more involved. It's a it's a easy, easy path to follow to be like to see Sony going, Bungie has a bunch of technology that we could use to try and get our own moves going for games as a service that we haven't really had any real success in. We get, of course, we just get Bungie, who are still at least currently something that we can get, potentially help us expand to other platforms as we look. And that's going to be one of the biggest con- conversations to have here is that it looks like Sony wanted to push off of PlayStation is a lot. It's happening a lot quicker than we might have thought. Uh, but yeah, I don't think that there's any reason not to look at this and think that Sony thought Destiny is a big IP uh, with a lot of people that are built in audience. And we could do an animated series and put it on, you know, Sony have a deal with Netflix right now. There's no Mm -hmm. reason that they wouldn't go to Netflix and go, hey, Netflix, do you want an exclusive show? Or, or exclusive shows. They've done this before. Doesn't mean they'll do it again. Or part of PlayStation Spartacus is that you can get (laughs) their shows through that. I doubt that that's what they do because I think that that show called Powers. What was that show called? Powers. Yeah. Like it was something very simple name wise. Uh, it did not do well as a PS Plus exclusive show. No. I, I, <laughs> um, I think putting a TV show on PS Plus immediately makes me less interested in the TV show. Even if you put Breaking Bad on PS Plus and it was like, you have to have PlayStation Plus to watch every episode of Breaking Bad. I'd be like, that show must suck. <laughs> right? Like Because you're giving it to me for, for basically free because I need this anyway, regardless of what you're doing. I just think it devalues it. I think that was the biggest issue with Powers, is it looked cheap, and then it's on PS Plus, and you're like, eh, I think I'm going to watch Invincible or something, you know? See, the thing that happened with PS Plus, and I kind of understand it, and clearly it's worked for their operating income because they make a lot of money off of PS Plus and their subscriptions. Um, I think the problem with PS Plus going from being billed as this completely optional thing that gave you extra features and extra content is that the moment you make it required for online play and people are pretty much going to be getting it because of that anyway, everything else you do now feels like, you know, people say, Oh, those are, those are my free PS plus games. You know why that became such so obvious is that everybody looks at free PS plus as the means for, Oh, okay. So I pay for PS plus to play online and then you give me these games. I think right. it was viewed a lot differently whenever I, whenever I had PS plus right after it came out, it was nice to be like, Oh crap, I'm getting uh, I'm getting tomb Raider 2013 like six or seven months after it came out just because I paid mm-hmm. for this service and it wasn't a free game. It was my PS plus game because that's what you paid for PS plus for or that was one of the features. And you're right. I think if you would have tried billing powers at that point, it might've worked better because people would be like, yeah. ah, okay, it's like, it's part of this optional thing. But the moment you make something like that necessary, no matter what you loop into it, people go, well, it's just like a free added thing and can't be that good because they're adding it on top of the value of me just being able to play online. What's more interesting about that is that they've been able to brainwash the majority of consumers to think that it's completely 100% normal and okay that you just have to pay to play online. 
unfortunately. That's the new new. Yeah, it's a very weird thing to think about. Definitely when one of the coolest things about PlayStation or PC gaming is that you just turn it on and you're like, oh yeah, I don't have to do anything. I yeah. just I just play the game. You know how crazy it is that Xbox Live was free on PC and not on the on the system? I would be furious <laughs> if I was an Xbox gamer. There were, and when, as soon as they announced, like, hey, we're going to have Xbox Live and all these Xbox games available on PC. And you're like, so if I buy Halo 4 through you guys, I have to, on your system, I have to pay for it. But if I buy it on PC, I don't, which I know Halo 4 is not on PC. But point being, you know, if I buy Gears 5 on Xbox, I've got to pay to play it online. But if I buy it on PC, I don't. That just... And both of them are owned by Microsoft? Okay, great, thanks. It's a bad look, (laughs) at the very least. It is. I mean, I'm really surprised that they haven't just killed gold at this point. I'm being dead honest. Yeah, I don't know why they wouldn't do that. What's more crazy is not only did they not kill gold, at one point they tried to double the... (laughs) Hey man, when, when, when everybody plays, we all win. Don't you know that? Man, the fact that at that point, Xbox, who was being seen as like the consumer-friendly company, was like, hey, we're going to double the price. It goes to show you that no matter what the company is doing, if they think they have an opportunity to basically just screw by pull one over on their customer base, they absolutely will. Yeah, I, I don't know. I like Phil What's Spencer, the old saying? Better to ask for forgiveness than yeah, to ask for exactly. permission. <laughs> yeah. I just think Phil Spencer is a BS artist, and it's fine. That's his job. But I just can't stand it. It's so annoying. I think that all people in his position, like Jim Ryan included, are just BS artists. Well, sure, but but there's but when you're Phil Spencer and you try and do this thing, it's it's a it's a problem of he's he's very friendly feeling, right? And he tries to come off as like the gamer's game head and all that. But then these moves still happen. It really does create this issue of where you're like, I started to trust you, Phil. Well, and you did this, and you know, not that that's not his job, like you said, but it kind of creates this weird thing where when Jim Ryan's a douche, but then does something like this, you're like, well, that's in line with Jim Ryan yeah. or whatever. So you're like, whatever, you know. It's like he's being a corporate person. I think everything Phil kind of says, like you look, you look at one thing, you're like, that doesn't make any sense. Like he was talking about when Activision got happened, he was like, you know, oh, we don't see Sony as competition. We're not trying to kill Sony. Our competition is Google and Apple. We want to prop Sony up. And I'm like, okay, then why can't I play Elder Scrolls 6 on my PlayStation 5? Like, don't yeah, stop yeah. lying. Like, if yeah, you weren't yeah. worried about Sony, you'd give me, you'd let me play Elder Scrolls 6 on my PS5. You're full of, yeah. you're full of it. Just say yeah, it. I Just, agree. Yeah. Like I, I've always said, <laughs> I would vote for the president who's like, I'm going to war because I feel like it. I'd be like, all right, I'll vote for him. He's at least being honest. Like, you know what I mean? It's the same thing. I mean, that's true. That's better than we're going to war because of weapons of mass destruction. Where are they right. at? We don't know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. you, no, you're right. I mean, no matter what, there there is something about the person who just feels like they're doing what they're doing and, and coming out with it. So uh, anyway, kind of pulling back into the conversation here uh, and looking at what's going on here. Uh, I'm genuinely... And, and the first time I read it, I thought that this is exactly what they meant, but they came out and further clarified... I'm genuinely surprised that Sony made this acquisition and as part of what Bungie wanted and potentially what Sony wanted, everything's still multi-platform and everything moving forward will still be multi-platform. That is the most un-Sony thing that has happened so far. You can Because it it implies day one multi-platform, you can look and go, well, Sony's been putting their games on PC, but not day one. 
We haven't seen that. Not even close to day one. Right. Sony, you can say Sony put MLB on Xbox and now switch, but that, that their hand was forced. Right. You you know, they benefit from it, but their hand was forced. I, this seems to be the first time that Sony is making the decision to day one, do this and off the back of a $3.6 billion. This isn't even something they already owned and that they're doing this on. This is, we're going to buy it knowing that part of us buying it is multi-platform. Um, so, so I, have, I go ahead. Sorry, no, I have two thing theories here. A one of them was like more of a rumor that I heard where Microsoft was sniffing around Bungie for like five billion, and this is what got it done. That's one of the things I read. I don't know how true that is. So where, just so I'm clear, clear here, you're saying that Microsoft was sniffing around for five billion, but probably with the thing that we will launch your content down to ours. exactly, yeah, and or even we Bungie own was your content more willing. Again. Yeah, right. and then Bungie was more willing to go with a lesser amount from Sony. Now, yeah, this of course their, all rumor, but th- but right. that's the thought process behind sure. the rumor, right? Yeah, because even Grub Jeff Grub, I think last year was saying that Microsoft was trying to buy them back. So it makes complete sense that they were like they were rebuffing that, and the price was going up, and then they went to Sony, and Sony was like, "Yeah, we'll let you have it. That's fine. Just because all this is, if you read it, it's just." It's just a three point six billion dollar consulting fee. That's but all this is. You still own everything at the end. But you're right. The, the value of the purchase, outside of the inherent value of Bungie and their own operating income and what they get, which you do get here. Yeah, and but it's you Sony don't pictures. remake that. Not, yeah, you don't. Yeah, and that's true. But you don't make that back quickly. The real value of the immediate purchase comes from what Bungie can teach other studios. Which clearly right. they need, though, right? Because what's uh, Destruction All-Stars? Yeah. Destruction All-Stars <laughs> is a perfect example of the fact that Sony does not know and and the developer that they went to does, do not know or really truly understand how to make a game that's sticky and really ha- keeps the community around. Mm-hmm. And Microsoft have had a few great chances. Like Microsoft has Halo Infinite going right now, and as annoying as all the bugs and server issues are, it's still successful. Then you have Sea of Thieves, which is also pretty successful and part of Game Pass. And it's got the idea behind a game as a service down. Keep updating it and for free for anybody who does own it. And they just keep going. But there's monetization built in within that. Sony have not nailed that down. No. They just haven't. You know, Sony were early to try that idea with things like Killstream, but it didn't really work. And then they just completely abandoned it. And then now they're in the position where they understand that abandoning it was the wrong thing because it's the big new thing in the industry. Um, so there's that. But also, in looking at this, how what do you think Sony means, and what do you think it means for Sony as a as a company, as far as us consumers look at? With Sony talking about wanting to increase engagement and acquire new users outside of PlayStation, that sounds like in in light with this Bungie thing, that there is going to be a real push at trying to get things out day one from within PlayStation Studios that are on more than just PlayStation and can mm-hmm. benefit from more than just PlayStation. Does that yeah. sound like what you're kind of hearing here? Yeah, because but I think if you're looking at it, I think that the way this reads, because it has to do with Bungie really, is that our live service games will be on at least PC and PS5 day one. But I don't see why they wouldn't put them on Xbox too. Why wouldn't you take that money? Take well, at the thirty percent, the the seventy percent, or whatever it is, 
and the sure. microtransactions off of Microsoft. Why wouldn't you do that? Yeah, take the seventy percent of the overall profit of the game right. on another platform. Um, yeah. I guess you know the thing is, is that I see that too because at this point, if you're going to let Bungie, who by all means is a Sony thing now, if you're going to let Bungie release their thing on Xbox still, why not just do that with your live service game? You get a bigger player base, you get a higher chance of monetization working out, and you, across the board, you get people who might be more likely, even though probably not, to potentially want to come over into the Sony fold because they like what Sony's doing. So you have a small chance of getting a hardware buy out of it and then potentially more money out of it moving forward. But if nothing else, you get the idea of there's more hands in the pot right now, so there's more money in the pot. Well, that, um, good. Not to mention like some of the games that may not be as big like let's say twisted metal is a live service game so they go okay twisted metal is on everything because we want as many people as possible to pick it up but last of us factions is playstation 5 exclusive you know what i mean uh stuff like that where they could try and capture a couple extra people like let's say they do like uh i don't know uncharted fight for fortune 2 and that's <laughs> the on everything. Game. Yeah. And that's on yeah, everything sure. because that's a significantly more niche audience. But like, oh, we're doing a Uncharted Battle Royale. It's only on PlayStation 5. Like, or PS5 PC. At, yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like looking yeah. at stuff like, okay, we don't need to capture a, a big audience, a bigger audience here because we have a big audience. But we might need to do this on our competitive ping pong game. You know what I mean? Sure. Well, I think what kind of buys into this, right, is that part of the same investment call, Sony said that they want to more than double their first-party income, their first-party profit, whatever you want to call it, uh, across... I mean, really, the thing is, Sony's first party is already incredibly profitable for a first party. You know, to be fair, Nintendo is incredibly profitable from a first-party standpoint. Uh, but if Sony's wanting to do that across platforms they've already had, they've had good success at growing their original IP to where it seems like most of their games sell at least 10 million, titles, 10 million copies, which is awesome because that used to not be the case. Um, but if you're going to want to double that, the only way I see that happening is if you have first-party games hitting multiple platforms day one so they can make more money in that regard. And it also sounds like monetization is part of that because they don't really have a first-party studio that has a monetization thing built in. It's all the game's built. We sell the game. The game, that's done. You know, you mm-hmm. might get the occasional, like, uh, when Naughty Dog did all The Last of Us, uh, what were they, like, hats and stuff that were, like, ex- they were on, even on PS3, they were there. But oh. for the most part, like Uncharted 4 had monetization as well. But it doesn't live let's, long. Let's not forget about multiplayer passes. <sighs> Boy, a I'm so glad we're past time. that point. But yeah, so you, you, it's not like they haven't messed with monetization before, but not in the same sense as anyone else. So that's kind of happening there. But either way, um, Saul, what are your thoughts on pretty much all this? <laughs> Man, it's just a broad question. It is really a broad question, but it's it's such a weird thing to think about. There's something we want to talk about. I think right now, let's kind of, for the most part, leave the idea of what the 10 live service games are. I kind of think that we'll wrap this conversation up by doing a few little pitches of our own idea of what we think those might I be. I have one of those for sure. But, uh, but yeah, before we thoughts, get into that. Yeah, I mean, I I've said this before that I think live service games are a good idea when they work right. 
Um, they can be very profitable. They can be very fun for the consumer. And they can inspire player bases that uh, are very dedicated to them. Um, and, you know, I'm not one of the people that will say that Sony has to make a first person game because now Microsoft has Call of Duty. I think that's mm-hmm. kind of a dumb thought process. Yeah. But at the same time, if they're going to do this anyways, then I'm going to cheer them on because this is where that little threshold gets made up. So I'm all for it. And like our main topic or our side topic or our creative topic, I have a a, a pitch of my own that is like a dream. It's never going to happen, but I think it'd be really cool. So, Well, I mean, Chris, do you have anything else you want to talk about specifically in regards to Bungie and, and the situation? Or do you want to go ahead and start moving <laughs> into the, the, the live service aspect? Because I saw a lot of people... And I'm not going to say I don't understand it, but I saw a lot of people get up in arms this week over this remark about Sony doing not only games as a service games, but 10 in the next four years. Um, Yeah, I don't think it's that big a deal. But I do have one thing about Bungie that I'm curious what you guys think on. Sure. Do you think Sony or do you think Bungie would prickle? At the idea of Sony going to them and be like, listen, you're not required to do anything, but we would like to offer you a contract, kind of like how they went to Deviation or Firewalk, and we're like, we're going to pay for you to do an exclusive. Do you think they would have a problem with that? Like, hey, like like I've been talking about forever. Hey, do you, we want you got. we want to bring back kill, uh, Resistance, and we'd love for it to be a Bungie product. We'd like to be wild. still contract you and pay you to do it, Kind of like if Microsoft, like the rumor of Microsoft and Kojima, you know what I mean? Do you think they would have an issue with that? And do you think that that would turn this into a lie? Right? I don't think they would have an issue with it from a like a yes or no standpoint. I think they would maybe have an issue with it of a just a size of their team versus what Destiny is standpoint. They're definitely gonna, they would definitely have to hire on more people. To well, take that's on a part of what they said. That's what they said this whole thing was about, is that they're going to be able to hire a lot more people. And they have yeah. $2.4 billion to spend on employees and yachts. So, um. <laughs> yeah. So I, I could definitely see it as long as they, they would focus on hiring and getting their team ready and up and running. Because as we, as we know, but I've said it you know, a million times before, Bungie it makes some of the best feeling first-person shooters has ever been. Right. So having a resistance crafted by Bungie is the weirdest statement I think I could ever say. Out loud, but it's actually one of those weird ones that's like, this could actually kind of maybe happen. So I think the weird part of this, right, is like, and I know you're kind of coming at this from a weird angle, but Sony completely owning Bungie cannot necessarily go to them and say, hey, we're going to contract you and pay you this way. They can run incentives, right? They can say, listen, we're coming to you and we'll invest an extra 1.2 billion, just like they just did, right? And our We'll do a $500,000 incentive that if you guys are willing to make an exclusive for us, then you'll do this. Because they already own them. They're not going to contract out someone they own to make something because yeah, that's just not how that works. But you could so you wouldn't do that. But could you could that, t- take the idea, though. <laughs> take the idea of we're going to give you guys an extra bit of money and incentivize your employees to do this idea when you've already expressed that y'all want to remain open platform. Like, right, Bungie's statement was, we want a single Bungie community, and we want Bungie's games to be where our community is, which is whatever platform that people Mm -hmm. play our games. And that is the most indicative of, we want our games henceforward to always be everywhere so that we have a singular 
community. And I think to that degree, I think Bungie would probably, at least still currently, right, in the next few years, while this mindset is what's at the studio, I think the studio would say no right now, even if they were given extra incentive in terms of Sony being like, we're going to put a pool of a million dollars here. If you guys make this game, you'll get extra funding. And if the game does certain things, we'll are, or even across the board, we would just love to have a, a, a game made it maybe maybe they get to choose right maybe it's not resistance maybe it's hey we want to come out with our own exclusive first party game and you can either make a new ip or look at the ip that we have yeah but it has to be exclusive i still think right now bungie with the mindset of the people behind it would probably look at that and go no thank you we appreciate the offer but no thank you um but you know one thing we didn't really talk about here is and people have been talking about this all week, so whether or not you've heard this or seen this, but I've seen some people be like, why Bungie and then why this? And what expertise are they talking about? But it's also not expertise, right? One of the other layers of this, and it's in the thing, is they, they, they're they going to incorporate technologies and expertise. So one of the things that Chris and I were talking about is that one of the things I love the most about Destiny that other games just do not have is that while you are loading to other areas and while you're in loading screens, you can completely use your inventory system. You can look at the quest system. You can use menus while the game is loading things in the background. And as far as we can tell, Bungie has a patent on that. Do they really? That's, yes. That's what I understand. So when you look at that, that is a very valuable piece of tech that like one of the things that annoys me the most about Halo Infinite is when you start to try matchmake. Oh, you can't change anything. And you you hit matchmake and then you try and go look at the battle pass. And you're like, oh, that pulled me out of matchmaking. It's annoying. It's unnecessary. And I think it goes to make the experience lesser. I think Sony stands to gain a lot from not just the expertise of how do you make a sticky game where people want this, but also to where Sony can say every one of our first, per, uh, first party live, act, uh, live service games <coughs> has menu systems that can be acted, acted uh, whatever, went through yeah. while it's loading. That's a huge boon. Yeah. So I think that that's one of the technology. There's apparently some other technologies in the way that they stream stuff out within their worlds. Um, hell, even this, this is also just game design, and I don't know if there's patents that would go along with this because that kind of patent side of things is always weird. But you know, a good example of, again, something that I don't like about Halo Infinite is that you have these challenges but once you're in a game, you can't see them. Yeah. And yeah. you don't know how far you are into them. But on Destiny, if I'm doing a bounty, which is the same as a challenge, and I'm like, how far into this challenge or how far into this bounty am I? Hit the menu, go over and look and go, oh, that's there. I love that. I think that that's something that games like Halo and all that stuff need. It's very annoying to not be able to see what you're supposed to be working toward. Uh, I think that that one's just game design because if I'm not mistaken, all of Sea of Thieves is just because it's an open world. Uh, all of Sea of Thieves, you can just look at what you're supposed to be doing. Right. And you can see and you can at go into the menu given time. at any given time. I think Halo is because it's sectioned off into multiplayer maps that their menu system is not built up to handle you being able to do some of these things. Right. Um, but those are little things that Sony probably needs, right? Maybe no one in the Halo room thought people would want to be able to see their challenges while they're playing the game. That might genuinely be the only reason it's not in the game. Yeah. So... It's good to have somebody who goes, this is what players like. This is something play players want to feel like the game is grinding against them as least as possible. So if you can make it to where they're having fun and can do what they want and the frustration isn't coming from the game, but like maybe last night when we were playing Destiny, the frustration is coming from the people in the game. That's a very different conversation yeah. because people are still not blaming the game for this issue. They're just blaming the group they're with at the time or whatever. So I think that that's a really important thing. Um, 
But I guess uh, if that's it, I think Saul, uh, go ahead and start off. I want to hear your your dream pitch for a live service game. SoCom 2024. <laughs> 2024? 2024. So is that like the year that the game is taking place in or the year of release? Either or. <laughs> Okay. It could be. I, I want it. To, I want it to be modern. I don't want it to be futuristic. I don't want it to be. Uh, you know, when you first said, I thought you. Meant, I thought you said twenty forty two, and I was oh, like, is this like no. is this Battlefield? No, no, no. <laughs> like, I, I want it to be fairly modern. I want it to be fairly tactical, like SOCOM is. Sure. Uh, give it a twelve hour campaign, stealth based. You know, the kind of typical SOCOM stuff. Have a group you can command. Then you can have multiplayer, six v six, objective or deathmatch. You know. Um, but then this is where you get in like the, the big, big multiplayer side of things. Um, so that could obviously be a thing, but I would think so calm being able to swap third or first person being a first for the series. Cause I don't think there's ever been a so calm game. You can go first person, right? Uh, I don't I think don't there think is. So. Hold on, hold on. Maybe so, the, the, the PSP hack, one. So like oh, when the, well, because I know that oh, you could use those move the one that controllers. Yeah, the one that came out when the PSN was down, so it kind of killed the whole franchise. That was SOCOM 4. Yeah, so, so SOCOM 4. Because um, I know you could use the move controllers, so I feel like that would have had to have been a first person, at least a little bit. I, I'm not sure, but... But anyways, it's, it's going to be... You could toggle, first or third person. And I feel like having <laughs> essentially like what a Battle Royale is... Um, in a, in a SOCOM style environment of like, you know, almost like PUBG, but way more refined than PUBG is, um, way more in depth with the weapons that you can use, and um, having better maps and, and environments that you can be able to actually sneak around in and stuff like that would be really cool. But the coup de grace for that game could be the Tarkov style gameplay yes. of a third to first person Tarkov game. You get launched into a map, and you go. You, you have a silenced pistol, and it's stealth base. And you go around, and you are taking out enemies and other players, or other players. Actually, uh, Tarkov is where Tarkov does have bots in the game. Like there are bots in this multiplayer game that, like story bots or whatever. Um, but then you grab your loot, and then you have to get out by via helicopter, via extraction zone. And if you don't make it, all the loot's gone. You lost it. And then in the menu, you get to pick what loot you take in. And then whatever you lose, if you take it in, you lost it. So you could lose all your inventory if you bring all your inventory. I think a SOCOM game would fit that extremely well. So just in terms of looking at the idea, and this is a good question for, I have a couple of questions that kind of come as a result of that. Okay. So the first one that came to mind, and this is a genuine question that I'm just always curious about. Do you think, because you said a campaign, and yeah. you acted like, in your version of this, is the campaign completely separate from multiplayer? Yes. Multiplayer's free-to-play campaign is 40 bucks because the, it's going to be a 12-hour so campaign. So part of the reason I bring this, uh, th- that up is, and well, this is a question bucks. for both of y'all, because I think y'all played a little bit more. I've been into them recently, just by nature of what's going on. Do you think games-as-a-service games need to have... Let me back up. Kind of looking at examples, Right. Call of Duty Warzone is a games as a service game because right. the entire job is supporting that game indefinitely. And this is yep. a conversation Chris and I had with like Sean earlier this week of what is the definition of a, a games as a service game? And Sean, um, Sean Moneo was asking, like, could you look at Uncharted 4, a game that he is pretty sure had seasons? I don't remember if it did or not. 
can you look at the idea of seasons being enough of an idea for games as a service? And I don't really think that that's the idea behind it, right? The idea of a games as a service is a game that's intended to go as long as the player base can let it go. Yeah. Whereas a game like Uncharted 4 and even a more standard Call of Duty, the idea is we're going to support this game with new and continued content for roughly two years, maybe, and then we're going to let it go for the next game. I don't consider those games as a service, but like Warzone and Apex and games that just are developed in perpetuity and continue to have new content over and over and over again, that kind of looks like that. So Destiny and where it kind of plays into this idea I think makes sense because its story and its campaign and everything is built around this idea of you can do all of this within this greater games as a service field yeah, because it's all connected and you can play with other people and it continues to be developed on. So I get where you're coming from, but I actually think a really interesting idea for a SOCOM game is to kind of destiny it up with the idea of the idea of SOCOM is that you have squads and everybody in the in the single player SOCOM games, you had a squad and you could control yeah. different people where to go and what to do. I think taking that idea of keeping it still extremely tactical, but having it to be where you build up your Navy SEALs fire team right there. Yeah. And you actually do the campaign with a group of people and you see these events unfold. And if it could be a little dynamic where certain people do certain things, almost like the Hitman level of like, well, if you do this or you do that, it changes something slightly. That would be awesome to see go off, but you still have an overarching story that happens. That yeah. They can't vary too much. Yeah. I think that would fit a little bit better into this game as a service idea because the entire game, from the moment you boot it up, would be tied into this idea of we are a game as a service. Everything you do in this game, you, you, you do with other people and will continually add new stuff to this game. Every year, maybe they come out with a big expansion for it, kind of yeah. like Destiny. Yeah, it has like a little like, campaign. Here's refresh. a new campaign. Yeah. And you're going through and your character So calm, but like that. Yeah, but, so you're well, basically, you're being a, a, a career military person and you're seeing that as you keep going like you're you're ranking you, up in the military yeah. as a custom character or something, yeah your or view of the world character. and lore is that your character is continuing to his career in military and then you can either view like all the tarkov stuff as like training missions or just breakout missions of like yeah. you have to infiltrate yeah what's up chris you want to ask well him? i'm almost the you mentioned destiny the more i think about it why wouldn't you just do destiny for socom you you choose an operator Stealth, sniper, rogue, whatever. I know rogue is fantasy, but well, that would be well. Okay, subclass is that what you're kind of doing? Just like class, you build a soldier, you get his class, and then the whole game, rather than a single player experience, it's just missions. Yeah, well, that's what I mean. You and your elite squad are going on to do this. You know sure, I mean? but I'm saying they they yeah. tell it the same way I'm saying you would tell this. Is sure, yeah, absolutely. You, you and I guess I should say is a Go campaign ahead. by by what I mean is just a single player experience. It doesn't sure. have to have like a forty hour. Story I agree in the sense of it's much just, much uh, like Destiny, the SOCOM game should be able to be done entirely on your own if you want to. Yeah, and yeah. but it's still all online. So if you want to play right. with a group of up to six friends, and I see Destiny right now limits everything to three. Yeah, I think SOCOM is the perfect example of like well, four. Yeah, let's, let's go up. Let's either do four or six people see, for and, everything that you can do because it adds difficulty because everybody has to be tactical in a unit. Yeah, and uh, I have a, I have a, actually so like yeah so the, yeah. <sighs> You could do that, and it could be co-op or not, but it's focused more on single player. And then you could have your Tarkov. I think that's where this game would really shine, is a stealth-based Tarkov-like experience of get in, get the best loot, and get out. Here's the thing I thought about that I think would be the coolest idea to me. Okay, so every PS5 controller, because this is a PS5 game, no PS4. This is a PS5 game. Every PS5 controller has a microphone 
what if there's a user agreement when you play this game that you cannot mute the controller and there's a hardcore mode version of a Tarkov, right? Yes. Where you go in and every single person, and this is mainly, the I'm bringing up the Michael controller because you can't get around it, but your headset in-game is all based off location. And when you're in here talking with friends, you'd be real quiet because if an enemy's over there, they can hear y'all. So they can hear you get close. So you have to like, you have to actually execute like hand commands and yeah, stuff. Sure. And then if you think I'll just use Discord, well, that's not going to work because if you're here talking on your headset on Discord, if, it, I would assume the perfect world scenario that Discord wouldn't be allowed to be used with this game. So it would block you from that. You'd have to use in game chat, but you're going to be sneaky and say, I'm just going to use Discord on my phone and mute my micro, uh, microphone control. You can't. So it's still going to hear you talk, so you can't get around it. So it's going to be true stealth based, like it's silencer, sniper rifles, and it's and that's the thing. It's like you have a gear gear level, so like you go in, get the best gear, and get out, and then you have like your KD and stuff that also levels you up. So you yeah. go through and want, so, want to use the gear. So ahead, let Chris. me ask you because I feel like you would want this to be like modern military because I feel like the only way to do a Tarkov thing and have it make a ton of sense is in some kind of post apocalypse. It could be modern military, but it could also be like um, it could be uh, it could be modern militia. I should say I don't want futuristic advanced warfare weapons, but it, it could be it could say like this. Ocom could be like right after the, a new Great Depression that happened or something, and then the buildings are in ruin. There's grass everywhere, overrun. So there's areas that have incredible buildups of snow because snow piles couldn't get through stuff like that. But it's still very much modern. I. I don't want to see a laser drone flying around. A DJ Hero or a DJI Hero 4 drone, though, flying around makes more sense. See, it's just interesting because for me, you're describing what I hope factions is. And yeah, I mean, true. Yeah. Yeah. true. And that makes more, I agree that that does make more sense in a, in a post apocalyptic. And right, a, a good example, and it's not entirely it, but a good example of what you're talking about is the dark zone in uh, uh, the division. It, it's, it's but the division what, is post apocalyptic. I mean, yeah, so, right. or you know what I mean? It's, it's, a, it's after a, a big thing kind of destroys and, and, the, the it could be that way status too, quo. But the reason I say SOCOM is that <sighs> SOCOM can be brought br- br- can't even speak. SOCOM can be brought back to great form in terms of squad based, true squad based action, which technically, yeah, you're right. Factions, it could it could be factions. Yeah, it could you well, could sure. literally change the name around. Because but to me, it's go ahead. Because I'm listening to what you're saying and I, I like the idea, but to me it sounds like you literally just make destiny, right? You do this thing of you're the US Army soldier, you're in your your squad, and your elite squad of black ops soldiers goes on this mission. So you have the tower, and the tower is just the briefing room, right? And the je- Zavala the is a general. The, then you have yeah. whatever I mean, your M is or yeah. your Q, and he makes your guns, and like you go and you on. You could be like a medic and a scout. Exactly. So you have a medic, yeah, you have a scout, you have a yeah, gunner, you have a demolitionist, and you guys all choose your classes, go in, and the strikes are just individual missions. And then you have yeah. a campaign that you get through so that you can have your expansions. And then you have a, you literally, literally, SOCOM works as just Destiny. Everything. Yeah, and then- Destiny's just so calm with space magic. I've always thought that. To the point that they actually call your groups of people a fire team. Yeah, and And then the the Tarkov aspect just removes most of that because you don't want like a like I think a medic (sighs) in a Tarkov aspect will be weird. So this is actually this is the other question, right? One of the other questions I had is it's kind of mixed into two questions, but it's this idea of at what point do you reuse IP but change things about the IP to the point where it's unrecognizable <laughs> right. versus 
would this just make more sense for a game that's everything you described, but not with the SOCOM name? Therefore, it doesn't carry the SOCOM expectation or baggage. And the reason I ask this is because realistically, I agree with Chris. I don't know how you make SOCOM in the exact way that you just described, even though I think what you described sounds cool. I don't see how it pictures into SOCOM from what I know it as. And I wasn't even a huge SOCOM fan. Well, I mean, but, and that's the thing is like up until Personal Park Club got brought up, my thought process is, is like team four teams of four. Sure. 16 people are being dropped into this Warzone area. And it's very much like when you think about Warzone, like Call of Duty, is that it is like a like desolated little town. It's, it's in yeah. the middle of a war zone. And that's what I was thinking too, yeah. is this idea of like, you don't want to make it, it doesn't have to be a post-apocalyptic. You don't really have to do anything other right. than be like, we're dropping you into the middle of a, of a war-torn Iraq. We're, talk, we're, we're putting yeah. you in the middle of war-torn. Or it could just be some kind of future war that's going yeah. to take place yeah. in America. You could, you could make a, a, a fictional area. And yeah, say, we're, and we're, that's, that's, well, that's what I brought up first you. until we talked about post-apocalyptic. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, then you could do that. Yeah, and, and I could see that and I think that would work and I and I, I love your idea and I would I would have wanted that at first when you were telling i was like i don't really see where the squad base things coming in here and the big thing about socom is squad working out and i love like where you added this idea of like you have you can't use your microphone when you're close to enemies yeah, so you have to use hand don't, signals don't that's a that's a gamer's game dream across the board that's a core gamer thing i don't really think that that would be made as sad as that is i i love the idea i well, just don't think anybody would have the balls to force it but that's why that's not that's why that's hardcore mode yeah you don't play hardcore mode i do love you that. want to play it like you'd play hardcore mode just to try it out a couple times yeah and then it's going to have its own dedicated user base like ranked in, in, in Rainbow Six Siege. Yeah, see, I but, love that idea because I love the idea of like, okay, you need to be quiet. Hot mics are, I love the hot mic, uh, hot mic aspect of uh, Phasmophobia. Yeah. It's super good. I love it. I love not being able to clearly communicate with people unless they're close and then yeah. you have to rely on comms and then you can have it where opposing teams could destroy your comms so if you get away from people, you literally yeah. can't. Or you could have it where they have someone who can listen in on your that comms. That could be a secondary base. And people can literally have listen like to what you're doing because they're hacked into your comms. You can have like a, well not only that, but you can have like a comm tower in this game too, like where it's it's the map split among four sections and if somebody sure. infiltrates your area and destroys your comm tower. You're, yeah, yeah it's, you, you can only rely on you just hear proximity and then, yeah, you can't. No, you can't hear on any chat. You're muted entirely. Your whole group's muted. Oh, I could see. I, I still think it would make sense to have it to where when you're directly beside the person, you can hear them. Directly ex- beside them. Yeah, person. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I mean. Proximity in the sense of like phasmophobia does it to where you start getting a little more behind them and they get quieter until yeah. you suddenly just can't hear them at all. Okay, that could work. Yeah, but if, I love that. chat would be turned up. If they had balls, they would make it so that the louder I am, the further the distances you can hear me. So that's, if I'm yeah, just that's, in yeah, my that's house I mean. screaming, he's over there. Like you, you can hear me, but if I'm whispering, <laughs> you can't. The Fangio would fail at that game oh, yeah. every year. <laughs> but see, that's my thought process of anyway. like us playing, and we're like, okay, we got to go right here. Come on, come on, come on. And then we're like, and then you could say like, hey, shh, shh. and well, then you hear somebody like in the game a hundred feet away, and you hear it's like. Somebody's over talking or hear it barely. And then, like, they could hear you say this, and then you're like, hey, call good, quiet. Good and example. Like, sea of Thieves. When you start being able to yeah, very, very quietly hear other people, and you're like, what's going sick. on? And then the closer yeah. they get, the more you can hear them. You're like, okay. See, I love that. I, I love the idea of, too, being able to where when you, when, you commu- when you communicate in person, even if it has to be that you're whispering because you're around people, then you have this added element of, right, uh, of, Okay, hey, we need to be quiet, but if we don't want anybody to hear us, you can also do the thing where the closer you are to people, you don't even want to risk doing that so while you can communicate more involved by whispering and chatting you can also forego that completely in the game have it to where you can be like well yeah you can literally like, have you, like like hold down the d-pad and you have hand signals of like go this way yeah hold. that would be or, amazing or I'd if love you want to get really cool about it use your you know your rifle mounted flashlight of like flash flash like stop flash 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 go 
Like you could, <laughs> I'm telling you, this could be a sick game. Yeah. Though we're also describing a game that I think starts to get very niche. The more that we think no, is cool going think, into it, I think the chances of it... But at the same time, a good example is the fact that games blow up that have unorthodox ideas all the time in them, and they blow up way bigger than anybody would have ever thought. This would, this would, so. be, this would be a game where Sony has to put like $15 million out of just paying streamers to play it. And then it would, it would be massive. Just to make sure that it gets a foothold. Yeah, Exactly. I, I think I, I agree with that, sadly. I um, do think one of the in- interesting things about this, the game you're talking about is that if, they, if you wanted to do the Tarkov thing, I don't know that they could really do this, but they would just, you could, when you start the game, you pick a faction, and then that's the faction you're stuck with for the entire game. So then that Tarkov mode is like you guys going into like a decommissioned military zone, or like the scene of a big battle, and you're picking up the scraps of the battle to kind of help your your people but again i just don't and think you can choose so different you can choose different factions within yeah I, I that's kind of my thing too and i think like if the last of us does it you can make multiple you can make multiple people right and per character that you have and you can you can only have three or whatever but say there's three factions and you can create three characters and if you want to all three of those characters can be on the same faction with their mm-hmm. own subclass or their own class or they can be on different factions within the same class um that would be interesting. Yeah, um, would. So, but I think I wouldn't be surprised, Chris, is your pitch for what you think is a good live service game factions? Because I know we've talked about that yeah, quite a bit, actually. I'm fair. The longer it takes, the more I'm pretty sure it's just going to be a Tarkov type thing. I I hope, so. Oh, I would hope to God. It's like Rust and Tarkov combined. I would You'll never get me off that someone. game if it's Rust and Tarkov combined. No, me the of us quality. I would be so will. Well, Chris, like you were talking about, right? When you play, when you replayed The Last of Us Two, yeah. I literally just want Last of Us Two's gameplay in something that's not. And I, and I don't even mean anything. I like right now. I would love to just be playing The Last of Us Two because it feels great. I I like I like the game, but I don't necessarily want to play that game for the emotional weight of all the story stuff that's going on right there. I just right. want that gameplay. If you can put that in something that I can play, where I can just put it on and then bull crap with my friends, that game feels so good. Or even like, like the fact the- that The Last of Us One, I think, felt fine, but yeah. not excellent by any means. It was fine and it and it served the thing. The Last of Us Two is probably one of the best feeling games of entirely of last gen. It's so fun. Well, uh, it could be like physically play it. Red Dead if it has to be because like Red Dead 2 is really super in depth for like the single player, but they've cut a couple things back a hair from the multi the online aspect. Of it. Sure. So like I know in Last of Us 2, like you, you have to hold, what is it, triangle I'm going to guess because that's what it was in the first game to pick up <laughs> items to go through and pick up everything. Like you open a drawer and you have to hit triangle again, but there's actually an accessibility where whatever you, whenever you open a drawer, you just auto pick up everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm sure that they would actually incorporate that in the multiplayer, so yeah. you don't have to hit there, hit all the buttons. Yeah, even though having it to where you have to pick stuff up and it being vulnerable time, yeah. would be interesting. Yeah, you know, uh, one of the things that the, the game does is like, and I don't really think of this as a spoiler anyway, but there's occasionally that the game will have it to where you stop at a weapons bench to upgrade, and as soon as you get to your weapons down, you find out the area wasn't empty and they attack you, and that sense of like <gasps> surprise that'd be great for the multiplayer if it wasn't scripted. Like yeah. literally, it's like, hey, there's a there's a weapon upgrade bench here, and you can use it, but the entire time you're in 
you're vulnerable. So if you're if you're playing with friends, your friends and you, yeah. you guys need to guard each other and make War, sure no one comes does to get that. to you. Yeah, it's kind of like the idea of going to the, the drop boxes or whatever. Yeah. It's like, hey, while you're in the loadout box, we're going to try and make sure nobody comes up. Well, that, yeah, that's the thing too. It's like yeah. in Warzone, you'll be sitting there for like a couple seconds in the menu trying to figure out what gun you're getting and stuff like that. Then you'll hear pop, 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 like right next to you, and you're yep. like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> like I'm, I'm gonna die. <laughs> yeah. So that's I, I think factions is a clear, obvious choice, and I would be really surprised if part of why we haven't seen anything from it is because Naughty Dog have got their core of what they think they want it to be and they're looking like, all right, Bungie, you tell us what we can add into this to make it sticky and what people want to see and how to monetize it and how to get a stream of content that people find you know, good enough. There's a lot of questions that come into that place of it. Maybe Naughty Dog wants to learn how do you make a good season? What makes a good season pass? Um, and you can look at all those things. So, do you have another idea, though, Chris, that you think of? Uh, I have a couple. Um, I'd really like them to do a card game. Like a Gwent, but like of all PlayStation characters. Be super in. And okay. launch, a, launch a physical version next to it. Yeah. yeah. That's something people that miss out on sorely. It's like, I will, I will, like, if, if Gwent was a full-on competitive card game, I would be playing it right this second. Yeah, if they would too. release packs for Gwent and like you could go to tournaments for it, like we do Yu-Gi-Oh and Magic, absolutely all hands in. Oh, if they hadn't killed Gwent for PS4, I would still be playing it. Me and um, Sean, who we play Destiny with, but, yeah. uh, he was like a top ranked player in the world, and I was I wasn't as good as him, but I was close. I was like in the top top percent of the ladder, so like I would still be playing. He would still be playing. That well, it looks like good. they're doing a new Gwent. So well, it's what's a single weird player is like, standalone game. Ah, instead of going multiplayer. Yeah. That's that's unfortunate. I mean, it's cool because yeah. I do like Gwent even in the single player mode of uh, The Witcher. But mm-hmm. the online I, aspect is always a cool idea. I hope when Sony buys CD Projekt Red, they bring back the console version of Gwent, even if it's PlayStation exclusive. That would make me very happy as a player. Hold on. Did the Sony buy CD Projekt Red and then CD Projekt Red finally gets to make the days gone that they were trying to buy? <laughs> <laughs> no, CD uh, Projekt Red makes Bloodborne 2. Oh, boy. Bloodborne's already <laughs> making Bloodborne 2. Bloodborne 2. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so by how, the way, do you want to throw a little uh, do you want to throw a little GeForce Now talk into Saul's ear? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just you weren't here last week. Wait, what happened? Uh, Crisis Four was announced, which oh, I think you saw, and it was part of the GeForce Now leak. And he's like, "So does this mean that all Saul's worries about this not actually being well, real?" Or to kind be of- fair, Crisis Four, after hearing all the Crisis remasters and stuff, makes perfect sense. Yeah, exactly. but it also well, makes perfect sense being the- in the GeForce Now leak. What about Hell Divers Two, which is also announced, and that that makes still no does sense. not make sense to me. That still does not make sense. I'm not the only one that thinks that makes no sense. Yeah, but also be. maybe all that is is that Sony were like maybe a Hell Divers two, and then they started making it. Someone's like, no, 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 and then it's just a. To be fair, it's though, like a vestigial could, tale that's just that about, in there. You can see that Sony about does not own. Helldivers. Yeah, of course they don't. But they may have been talking to the developer because Hell Divers was a partnership with PlayStation right. to where. Sony spearheaded like, hey, we're going to do marketing for this, and it's going to be one of our PlayStation loves indies games. Mm. So, Brett, how how are you going to be div- divisive among us? We have not not actually among us, but we, we already have Tarkov uh-huh. times two in a weird way, and then cl- playing card game. How, where you come in? Okay, mine is actually racer. No, no, my thing is, and I think that the go to game to look at as an example of why this works, and the fact that Sony was heavily involved in it, so they should know this more than anyone, is that Rocket League is a car-based game that understands how to make a car-based game into a games-as-a-service. Car combat-based game. (laughs) Well, 
I, I don't know really, where you're going. I, yeah, well, no, it's not even entirely that, even though both of my ones that I'm looking at are car combat. But the thing is, is I don't even know that I consider, I don't consider Rocket League to be car combat. But you could definitely do this with car combat. And I think part of the big things that happened with Destruction All-Stars is that they had these little ideas of like, oh, well, people like this Fortnite weird style. So we can do that. We can have it where you can, you know, have these different crazy looking characters that you want to play as. But the characters don't really matter that much, right? But we're going to let you be able to get them out of the car. But once you're out of the car with them, you don't really have any special things with them. The special thing with them is their car ability. So it's like... Everything about Destruction All-Stars was like they were trying to look at other games as a service and make one, and it just did not work. Yeah. But they didn't really look at the core of what people like about them. I think if you really look and you study and maybe even go and, you know, Sony have a good relationship with Psyonix. There's no reason that they can't go and be like, well, I say that. Because Psyonix has every reason to not want Sony to put out a good car race, a, a, a car game as a service thing, right? Because then that starts to encroach on... <laughs> Rocket League to a degree. But my, my overarching point is that Rocket League has shown that this can be done. Even though one of the things I was going to ask y'all coming in, and I just hadn't asked yet, but it's a good time as any. Do you guys agree that there seems to be a, a nature of games as a service being disproportionately leaned toward shooters and or first person games not even necessarily first person shooters they can still be third persons but either first third person shooters or otherwise first person games like sea of thieves and like grounded and stuff like that the xbox has going do y'all agree with that or do you think there's a lot of examples of games as a service that aren't really in the shooter sphere it seems like most there's, of them are there's definitely well shooter sphere sure but like th- there's third person stuff like division two even sure. though it's still ongoing, you have Ghost Recon games that are still ongoing. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, there's definitely a spot a spot for them for people who do prefer third person shooters. But yeah, first person shooters, but yeah, but shooters, shooters in general yeah. seem to be one of the biggest go to genres, right. whether it whether it be third or first person. That's why for, that's why my SOCOM game has the best of both for games as a service. So yeah, that's that's been my destiny dream forever. Which Slip. is weird because now you can play weirdly in third person in some instances, and it's it feels really weird to go to the tower and be third person, and then to go to the, the helm, helm and, and be, be first. first. I was I, I thought I was glitching whenever I first logged into the helm. I was like, what's going on? But yeah, um, so it's good that there are examples of games as a service that are not that. But you can look at other ones, right? If you want, if you want to look at, at games as a service that aren't that, you have games like uh, League. League of Legends is, I don't, I wouldn't consider it a shooter. It doesn't, but it's it's more of a, it's a MOBA. So MOBAs are a good example of games as a service that don't necessarily go to the shooter thing. Uh, but I think both of mine either are being made already or one or the other is being made, and that's kind of hard to completely pin down. I do think that Sony, looking at a Twisted Metal show that they haven't found funding for, as far as it looks like right now, they have a pitch together and they're shopping it around, but nobody's actually agreed to do the, you know, to fund it um so there's that and i think it makes a ton of sense to try and make a twisted metal game alongside that but then really look at how do you make twisted metal into a games as a service type of game and maybe you look at some of the things from rocket league on that because there is a competitive aspect to that but then how is that much different than what twisted metal already was and Twisted Metal Online already existed to a degree, and it didn't really do that hot. It was kind of had bad networking stuff because of Sony's stuff. But 
I don't know as much how you make Twisted Metal necessarily into that. But I think Twisted Metal is also a little bit more of a niche and older thing. I think maybe what you do is you look at something like Motorstorm and you think, how can we bring Motorstorm back forth? Still have this element of car combat, which this goes into my talk about new IP versus old IP because they could have done Motorstorm. Everything about Destruction All-Stars could have just been Motorstorm. Yeah, I mean, true. But they chose not to because they thought new IP doesn't carry the baggage or expectation. So maybe they don't do Motorstorm. But in the long run, I think a car combat whether it's with existing IP or new IP, a car combat game that really understands how um, um, Rocket League exceeded, but translates it to where it's not so sport-focused of trying to do something with the balls, but instead of looking at the actual who ends up on top is a good answer. I did say for a long time that Twisted Metal Battle Royale makes a ton of sense to me, and I still think it does. But the question there is a lot like Apex. How do you change the game from season to season to make it feel different enough and change the meta enough that you can continue to have fun with that game? That's a hard question to answer, and I'm not sure what that is. Do you rebalance and rebuff cars every season? Do you, you do like Destiny does, where people look and go, this season of Destiny is the season of the Fusion Rifle, because Fusion Rifles are just tearing people up. But next season, a lot of people are speculating that rocket launchers are going to get a big buff. I think it's a combination of rebuffing and, and changing up, and then adding new cars, new variants, and new maps. See, that I would imagine that for every car, you'd want to have a you'd want you'd want to have the car, and then you'd want to have subclasses that the car can use. Yeah. What? How does the car? But then you also want to make sure that you're looking into what the car is, right? Sweet Tooth car, Sweet Tooth vehicle is a big bulky vehicle yeah, it's a and box all the games truck. it's slow it doesn't really make sense to make that car quick because it's supposed to be a heavy hitter now maybe you can change extra things to how it does damage yeah well, what kind of weapons are on this version uh you know you could do stuff like that like a, a, a cool thing that twisted metal 2012 did was uh or 2013 whatever year it was was that you could transform his special has where you could transform sweet tooth's car into a mech and run around and shoot people. And that was awesome. But you can make that a subclass. And then you can have other subclasses where, well, what do you want the specials to be? Much like if you look at something like Destiny, right? Because combat comes in. You do want to have that thing of like you build towards an ultimate. And used to, you'd get special ammo. But now you right. make it to where if you shoot enough people and you do enough damage, you build that up and then you can do it. Yeah, now, it's, it's do like... Do you add gear into that? Do you add parts that you put on the car that can have different no, effects. I don't think you Seems go that like a far. bad idea, maybe, right? Maybe certain guns you could add. Yeah, are something. the guns not inherent to the vehicle? Instead, are the guns something that you equip and you can min-max your build? Yeah, see, something something Call of Duty has always done, up until recently, actually, has done really well, was the camo system. So if you wanted gold camo, you know you're like a thousand headshots away from it. And yeah, then that's true. If you wanted like this weird digital camo, you got to get 500 regular kills. And then the red digital camo, 700 headshots. So you grab that gun and you intentionally get headshots with it. Mm-hmm. Um, Destiny, Exotic Catalyst, you use this gun 100 times or 200 times and get kills with it, get the catalyst. And then it changes so, yeah. the way the gun works. So you could have, better. so yeah. like Sweet Tooth could start out with three different cars who all operate a little differently with their specs with different weapon systems, but to unlock weapon systems for each variant, you have to use that variant X amount of times and then maybe do X amount of different things. And then on top of that, you could have microtransactions and it'd be cosmetics because we just know there's going to be there somewhere. Yeah, but sure. then you could also unlock special cosmetics through doing, you know, um, place top three using this weapon set uh, within, you know, 10 ranked matches or something. Sure. And, and you recycle people's 
ability to play like that constantly. At you least know, for people like me. What's really unfortunate is that I do feel like there was this element of Destruction All-Stars trying to get over the problem of every other game as a service. Norm- and actually, I don't know on Apex. Does Apex have vehicles in it, Chris? No. Or Saul? No. Yes. My assumption is no. Or does it? It, it, does. it does, but they don't have. They're not like. They're not the same as Call of Duty. Like you can't kill anyone. They're just for traversal. <clears throat> okay, oh. but they're still in there. All right. Yeah. So this is something that plenty of people talked about. I know it's not an original thought, but the problem with all games. But again, Rocket League manages well without this. One of the things I thought was cool about Destruction All Star is okay, you get past the part of. The, no matter what you do, a, a car game as a service feels like you're always in a car. But then you have things like PUBG and Apex and Call of Duty that introduce cars. And then Halo and Call of Duty's thing, car combat, Battlefield, a good example of that, combat with vehicles. Yeah. Uh, so then you go, well, if those games already have that, then what makes Twisted Metal special? Now, maybe what we just talked about is what makes it special because you're making the car the big thing instead yeah. of the person. And that maybe is the solve for that. But then you have things like PUBG right now, which I feel like is doing this. Um, PUBG's kind of doing this added thing to where suddenly it's MotorStorm. You get on vehicles and then you can shoot on vehicles. Or I don't know if you can shoot, but I know you can like punch. Oh, and one of my favorite things about MotorStorm is like when you were doing races and stuff, the car combat aspect of MotorStorm was that you couldn't do anything besides like ram into people or like if you want to if you want a dirt bike you could punch other That's people weird. off dirt bikes or you could punch the cars and do damage over time but normally dirt bikes were quicker so it worked out so when you look at that the answer of all these things like okay if you make a motor storm do you let your people get out of the vehicles and and it looked like destruction all stars is trying to do that like well we're going to make a car combat but we're going to have it what happens when your car gets destroyed because then you have to wait you're more vulnerable but you can also go get things that help you once you get your car back yeah it was a good idea on paper with execution that didn't quite hit the mark and yeah. i don't know if i want the answer for twisted metal to be that the driver gets out of the vehicle and then once you're playing no, his tw- sweet tooth he has his own that. thing it seems like a bad idea for twisted metal yeah for twisted metal sure so I don't know. I mean, but I like the idea of making it to where if you're going to have 10 live service games, my hope is that Sony isn't just pumping them all full of shooters because I oh, think I doubt it. Yeah, I think part of what happens with games like what was it? Hyperscape? What was that game? The Ubisoft game? Chris, was that it? Oh, you're oh yes, being... it was Hyperscape. Okay. Hyperscape is a good example of when you're competing with games as a service, you're competing with games as a service. But yeah. then on a f- smaller level, you're competing with other games that are in the same subgenre as what you're doing. Right. And one of the things that Hyperspace had to deal with, uh, Hyperscape, is that at the end of the day, it's just another Battle Royale shooter. Yeah. And all other games have already been there. And people are entrenched and loyal to those games. And if Sony thinks they're really going to come out without something that's really unique and interesting... And are going to steal a lot of Fortnite players, Apex players, Warzone players. It's going to be hard. They might get lucky and do that with one to two of those games, yeah. maybe. But past that, the answer has to become that you're looking at games as a service that isn't that. You got to look at something like Sea of Thieves. Sea of Thieves doesn't really have to think about any other game because no other game is a first-person pirate sim. Right. That's also a game as a service. Yeah. So you you're like, aha, that's the solve. So Sony has to look and go what doesn't really exist or what doesn't have a lot of competition so that we have a chance of this game surviving. Open world ninja stealth game. Maybe. Maybe that we got is that kind of vampires that right? I think about it though. So well, that's true. But if you look at that, one of the things that um one of our patrons, uh, Mark, uh, was saying in the uh, the Discord TT Dog. 
I think it was him. I know he at least responded to it. Was this idea of ten seems like a lot, right? But there's this idea that some people are having where what is the ten? Is the ten because Sony wants all ten of them to be actually successful and anticipates they'll all be successful, or is the ten really that? four of the 10 will actually continue to stick around and that they're making 10 so that they have a higher chance of getting a couple that stick. Right. That's the question. And then how does that view look? He kind of posited that like, if that's the case and Sony's making 10 games and only expecting a few of them to go, then that means that they're going in thinking that these games are not that good. And therefore, why would another player look <laughs> at that and want to be like, want to put time into any it's of them? true. Because the chances are that they'll be shut well, down. It's the, it's the Google what? thing of like how many, Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, there's one other thing that we already know what some of these games are, and I think it'll make people feel a lot better. You ready? MLB 22, the show. MLB 23, the show. MLB 24, wow. the show. MLB yes. 25, the show. Yep. MLB 26, the show. That's four of That's them. half. That's five. That's yeah. If you count twenty two. Oh, yeah, so you're right. More than half. MLB 22 hasn't, ha- hasn't come out yet. You're right. Right. Yeah. So more than half of the 10 are ML- most likely MLB games. So really, that I think so as well. Five games, but you bring me back to my thing of that's the question, right? MLB the Show is a different release every year that you have to buy an individual release on. Is it really yeah. a games of the service? Yeah, yes. And that, the way it's, it's I, I mean, I think Diamond so as well. Dynasty, but then, as someone on. who put two hundred hours into it, hold definitely on. Is. Que- uh, okay, I understand, I but look, same argument can exist for why Uncharted Four could be seen as a as a games as a well, service here, game. Here's the answer to right? your question. Uh, though. It's no, because what so. we established earlier, what we established earlier, it is uh, games as a service is constituted by how long the player base wants to carry the game. If the player base is for sports games, only want to carry them for a year. Well, until the roster gets updated. Well, that's what I was going to say. So I then, think we, I would, I would still play twenty one if the season wasn't over. A true yeah. sports games as a service, in my opinion, and again, I'm, I'm strictly saying that, if I was going to look at what makes a game as a service and what makes that, a true sports games as a service is what people have been talking about for a while in that you buy a game and then every right. year, just like they Destiny has their thing, you pay for the new season, They'll never the do new that, roster update. They'll never do that. It's like Madden They're back in the day when Madden Forever was a thing of like, you only pay 30 bucks for a new roster. Why would they do that when you could pay 30 bucks more than that 30 bucks for a brand new game? Why they're just going to keep selling it to you. Yeah, why don't they just... Why don't <clears throat> yeah, but but also, why don't they just make you do? How, how much money does Destiny Witch Queen cost? Sixty bucks. Yeah. yeah why don't they just bucks. have it to where every year they give they bucks. they say here's the new expansion at sixty dollars. I think and well, instead of I, having to release a different product every year, they just do that. I think it has well, to do I mean, with an attachment rate of people going to the store uh, and buying the game. Maybe it's part of like part no. of their addiction. I don't know. You guys are missing the big thing, and this is why I was I would was kind of pushing back and I will be being a service. Uh, they can. Diamond Dynasty restarts every year. Even if you don't buy the new game. The, well, no, you can use your twenty twenty your twenty one team in twenty one, but your the, the twenty twenty one team that I spent probably hundred and fifty dollars on does not carry over to twenty two. So I start from scratch in MLB twenty two, which is why so I, I would argue never, that that's that they will never. And that, let that's you, why I argue that they don't have that. Be, it's not a game to the service, in my but, view of it, because but it's a game. You're leaving service. everything in that game in in the past. 
No, see, but I, I guess I think of them as differently than that, right? MLB The Show requires me to log on every single day to do my challenges, to do my That's a games to, to do my yeah. guards, to earn new cards, to build up the 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 points to get new cards, to do challenges to unlock new cards. That is a games as a service. M- Mar- uh, like Apex is Apex is more of a games as a service because it's a continuing game, but Call of Duty and Uncharted, oh. the way we were talking about it, just playing matches to level up a battle pass is just another form of XP, which is a core of those games. And they, they're not jobs in the same way that I am at a distinct disadvantage if I don't do the challenges in MLB so that I can get this 99 overall card for my team. I don't think that... All so you're saying looking, you w- looking at them with a one to two year multiplayer window, the difference between them is that the the ones that are made like Call of Duty Normal, not Warzone, Call of Duty Normal and Uncharted 4 is that while they may want you to play as often as they can get you to play, the game is not literally designed to basically incentivize you to play every right. single day if you can. Exactly. Okay. That, that's Duty, fair. I mean, well, I still look at the idea of a game as a service continuing on, but I get what you're saying. It, it monetizes in the same way and it incentivizes you in the same way, even if at the end of it all, you leave it to behind at the end of that year. Well, but even... Okay, I, this is a little pedantic, but whatever. What is the difference between spending $60 on MLB The Show 22 instead of updating the roster for MLB The Show 21 for $60? There's no difference. So it doesn't change the live service aspect. It's just it's just exactly what you were saying before of buying the roster for a certain amount of money and then... Yeah playing it so i don't think yeah i think the difference is i would view it more as a games as a service for the way that i look at them and i'm not saying you're wrong i mean i get where you're coming from but i think that you could still do everything you're talking about of well i say actually everything except for one thing uh you could have where you don't lose things now you could have it to where it's all about i guess how you phrase it too though right because this idea of you buying packs and doing everything, that's that character, you know, when you're buying these characters, that's that character for that season. And I'm assuming, mm-hmm. maybe wrong, but probably not, that when you buy these packs, the stats around the people that you're doing are based off of their performance in whatever given year that they're doing. And then when the new game comes out, even if you get that player again, their stats and everything are probably different based off of what their year was right. like in baseball. Is that pretty accurate? So yeah, exactly. in that sense, it, it, that's kind of not too unlike Destiny and the idea of like sunsetting stuff. If we're just looking at Destiny as a good example, it, mainly because it's, it's the one I play the most. So sunsetting mm-hmm. things, right? That's how they could go about making this feel a little bit more like one where you do continuously update it. But the game just continues to update. You don't have to necessarily buy it. It's just called MLB The Show when there's a new season every time there would have been a new game, the same way as there would be, and have it to where at the end of any given season of Diamond Destiny or whatever it's called, Diamond Dynasty, that you just sunset those cards because that's not the player's stats this season. And then you have a game that feels like one, and then you, you might have one element that's able to continue on, but I don't know. You know, that's, I think games of the service, part of the problem is, is that it's probably able to be far more broadly defined than really anybody, including you, who's trying to include this into it, right? And you're probably right. And the thing is that there might be a game that you don't look at as a game as a service that, or that an idea that wouldn't be one that probably could be one. It's just all about how you build it and how you monetize it and how you incentivize it. And then I guess that that's to that end, 
maybe games as a service is still pretty nascent and it probably truly is pretty nascent and we're going to see it change a good bit in the coming months and coming years but i don't really know because i don't play enough of them that's starting to change as i've gotten more into halo sea of thieves and destiny but at the same time what i'm kind of learning is that i can only really play one at a time <laughs> well, yeah. for myself because like I, all i played was sea of thieves then all i played was halo and guess what since i've been back on destiny i've not played halo unless blaze has been like hey you want to play halo and i hop on for a few matches but i have not played halo of my own volition for probably the past month yeah well, that's I mean. what kind of where what i think of games as a service as is like games as a service are jobs then I don't yeah, think see, when you said that MLB I thought you same, meant for or, the developers to where it's like it's a continuous project that just continues to stretch on. No. But I get what you mean. You're saying it's a job for the player. Right, exactly. I think that's I the difference you. between multiplayer games which you're which are designed for like Halo. I'll drop in and play a few matches when my friends want to. Whereas if you don't play Destiny on Tuesday reset, you're not gonna get that platinum. Right? Oh, I won't. If yeah. you don't get your pinnacles... Now, Halo tries to do this thing in a very different way. It doesn't work right yet. But they're like, yeah. you know, hey, if you don't play and hop on this week, then you have no chance of getting this weekly prize, which is just the same emblem we gave you the week before for a different thing. The draw isn't the same because it's more annoying that why did this emblem that I got not work on everything? It's an emblem. And so you're like, oh, great. I get a uh, sacrifice for the fourth week in a row. Thank you, Halo. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's such a driving thing to play. But see, where Halo is exceeding even though I still haven't cared that much, is like, oh, hey, it's for extra 10 ride event, and you can come get this armor that's only available if you play throughout these limited times. Oh, hey, here's the uh, cyberpunk whatever thing where you can get these weird 80s synthwave looks, but only if you play <laughs> during this two-week event. And then, kind of like you're talking about, I won't get the platinum or get the right power level if I don't make sure every week I play, but in Halo, I won't get these cool cosmetics if I don't make sure I play. Still very different, though. Yeah, I mean, but the, you're right. The cos the cosmetics don't fundamentally impact your gameplay, which is the I think that the is difference. Absolutely, cosmetics true. are cosmetics yeah, that, is, that will probably mm-hmm. be sold in the store in a couple of months. Like, yeah. if if you don't keep up with Destiny, if I don't keep up with MLB, I'm at a disadvantage, and I think that's the distinct difference in what a games as a service is to me. So, do do you currently view Halo Infinite as a games as a service? No. Interesting. I do, but. Or Why? I did based off of my current understanding. Same same well, thing. Challenges, yeah. right? Because these things didn't exist in the, in the last few Halo games. I'm about to have to go. <laughs> oh, you're fine. We can go ahead and wrap up. We don't have to do anything more. But yeah, that's my thing. I mean, I look at this, or at least I'll say this. This is the closest the Halo's been to a Games of the Service than any time before it. So if, if nothing else. Yeah. The, I guess I, I'll rebuttal and then we can end it. Uh, Call of Duty had the Call of Duty Modern Warfare Call of Duty 4 had the same challenges Halo does, just for different ways. <laughs> it's not fair I, enough. So I think that's yeah, but yeah. It's, it's more of the battle passes and season uh, battle passes and seasonal event things that, in my mind, show that than even the normal challenges. But I feel you nonetheless. All I'm going. Right, we got to wrap things up. So you guys. Saul has got you guys stuff know, to do. Yeah, you guys know where to find us. Uh, if you want to follow us on Twitter, go to Triangle SQRD. Our Discord is linked down in the description below. You can find us on YouTube at youtube.com slash nartech. And of course, you can find us on most podcast services around the realm. Uh, if you come across a podcast service we're not on, let us know and we'll do our best to get on it. 
And uh, of course, we appreciate everybody stopping by and listening and or watching. Um, you could always help the show out by leaving a review if you enjoyed it or if you disliked it. Criticism is always welcome. Um, and of course, uh, you can support the show by telling friends and sharing it across the, the internet. Um, there is one last way to uh, support the show, and I think everybody knows where this is going. You can, uh, <laughs> For as little as a dollar a month, you can hit us up on patreon.com slash nartech, where you really do help the show out. Um, we talked about in the coming weeks that Chris is flying down, and we're actually, that, that some of that money is coming through to, to bring the boys together and um, <laughs> be able to have a live stream a bonanza and hang out and bring you guys episode 225 in a, or actually it'd be 200, what am I, wait, Two fifty. Two fifty. I'm so out of it right now. Uh two fifty in a in a grand manner. So uh we really appreciate everybody who does follow. And uh, of course you get your live uh, names right out on the show at the end of every episode. So I'll let Brett do that. But uh oh, community's take. What do you guys think? Uh what what pitch actually, you know us what? your yeah, pitch us yeah. your live game. Um and like I said, you can answer this community's take at our Discord, Twitter, YouTube comments if you want to. Nobody does that. Uh, and of course, uh, our Facebook group. I forgot about that. Facebook at Triangle uh, Squared at PlayStation Podcast. Um, That's we, it. We have a lot of opportunities there too. So Discord's always linked in the description below. If you already said that, sorry, I was making I sure we did it. <laughs> You're fine. Uh, <laughs> but we thank everybody for joining us for episode 247. We'll see you guys next week for episode 248. All right, guys. Thank you. Big shout out to our patrons, the Lord Corgi, Salvador Garcia, Ham and Edgar, Bailey Robertson, uh, Rob Warpoint, Mark Schutz, Cypher Primus, Kyle Grimm, Richard Schaefer, Rude Days 93, Joshua Lago, Kevin Bacon Bits, Luke Rabbit, Danny Villiobos, Solitary Red, Jehudi MD, Sean, Josh Ayers, Derek Porter, Constantly Kenny, Matthew Green, Sean Santarude, Stephen Salazar, Shadowist, and my name is Dan. Thank you all. Thank you. Dude.